All right, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, Coco Talk, episode 60, is going live in three, two, This is Coco Talk, the world's leading live talk show featuring the Tandy Color Computer. Streaming live on YouTube and Roku, available as a podcast and enjoyed the world over. And now, here's your host. All right, what's going on, everybody? I'm your host, Grant Leedy, and welcome to episode <laughs> 60 of Coco Talk, the world's leading live talk show feature. I have to say I'm your host, Grant Leedy, because apparently only when Grant hosts the show do people watch it in any serious numbers. Well, we it's, might actually uh, <laughs> break the 200 mark this episode. <laughs> so, I'm Grant Leedy. Uh, Mr. Question of the Week himself. Uh, uh, well, actually, hopefully you know who I am. But yeah, we're here. We're in episode 60. And actually, we've, uh, well, we're going to go around the room here. But um, I'm glad to see a very shiny animated face here in the corner. But uh, with us, I'm your host, uh, Steve Strobridge, a.k.a. OG Stevie Stroh. And with us on the panel, Mr. Question of the Week himself, back from his gender reassignment <laughs> surgery, we've got Grant Leedy with us. Hey, Grant, how are you? Hey, doing pretty good, guys. Glad to be back. All right. What's it feel like to have an innie now? Oh, no, I have an Audi. <laughs> <laughs> or you were an innie oh, before, this? I guess. How was it and we have with us our resident Apple guy, Mr. Mark D. Overholzer. How are you? Good day. Good day. Thank you very much. We're doing good. We've got not one, but two people from Australia today. They're actually neighbors. They live right next door to each other. But the first one is author of Popstar Pilot, currently working on Gunstar and all kinds of other cool things, Mr. Nicholas Morentes. Good day, everyone. Yep. Uh, and we're not quite neighbors. <laughs> we're in another state, so it's a, it's a long walk. Very it's just walk. a boomerang's throw away in Australia, right? <laughs> you guys yeah. are closer jump. together than you are to us, so. <laughs> <laughs> there he is. There's Brian. Um, also on the program, Mr. David Ladd, Lord of the Floppy. Hello, everyone. Hello. <laughs> so, uh, from the great white north, we have Mr. L. Curtis Boyle. Hello, Curtis. Good day. Oh, it's going good. It's a beauty, eh? Yeah. We also have with us, and we don't have the pleasure of having you on very often, but Mr. Brian Joyce from Extractus Productions is with us. Hello, Brian. Good day, Steve. How are you going, mate? Good eye, good eye. Hey, Welcome. Now, now, there's an Aussie accent. <laughs> yeah, we need we need to get you, um, Brian, to help us with our switcheroo commercials. Because honestly, Nick needs to be sent to like New Zealand. His accent sucks. Oh, gee, God, um, <laughs> <laughs> and, or Tasmania and, um, or something, yeah. And I was even thinking too, the David Ladd story. You know, it's great on video, but on the on the audio podcast, I'm sure there are some people if they've never seen the show before, they're like, "What is all this dramatic music about?" Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, because so maybe a, and maybe a voiceover there. Maybe we can get Ken to do that one because Ken. Jason's brother did a fairly decent job on uh, something that we'll play for you later today, hopefully. But welcome, Brian Joyce. Love to have you on the show whenever you can make it. Thanks for being here. Thank you. Um, we have our live correspondent from Columbus, Ohio, Jason, the Coco Man Rikert is here. Hey, Jason, how are you? Hey, how you doing? 
Live from the hotel at Korgscon, we can see all the bustle and hustle of Jason's <laughs> hotel room back there. <laughs> I, you know what, I, I, I saw it all in a couple hours, and I, I had enough of bumping into people. It, it's, it's really crowded, and I, I only saw one cocoa. Uh, someone had a cocoa one in a box for seventy-five dollars, and I didn't need another one. But I did, I did, I did pick up one thing. I did pick up a cocoa nuts. Uh, Atari 2600 game. It's like oh, I, I cool. saw that, and I was like, "Ah, oh, I have to have that." And uh, and a, a few other few other odds and ends, and uh, but nothing nothing really Coco related. Do you have any Excellent. video from the uh, event? I, I do have some video. I believe it is still uploading to YouTube. I'm looking at that right now. Um, where did it go? Um, yeah, coming soon. Okay. Coming soon. It, okay, it, it, cool. It, I mean, you'll give you'll give us the link, and we'll take a look at that. Right, I will do that. We have a world famous Coco software developer, author of Temple of Rom, Shanghai, of Delphi Term, of Bomb Threat, and a currently project in production. Super celebrity, Mr. Rick Adams, is with us. Rick, how are you? Oh yay! Hi. <laughs> Can I get a thank you? You're too kind. Thank you. Thank you. You're too kind. <laughs> okay. Oh, wow. And James Diffendaffer has definitely been updating and optimizing uh, many things, including his uh, thumbnail for his profile picture. Because that <laughs> now fedora in high had, res. Uh, now in high resolution, the fedora had James Diffendaffer. Welcome back to the program, sir. Hey, everybody. How's it going, eh? Oh, yeah. Uh, and then last but certainly not least, we have the Timberman himself, Mr. Ron DeVoe. How you doing, everybody? How you doing? Are you on a ship? We're doing good. Earthquake. Arizona, <laughs> 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 Who's operating your Steadicam? All right. So in the, uh, in the live chat right now, we've got Jason's brother, Ken. Ken can make it is in the live chat. So is uh, Mark Overholzer saying we're live. Nick Marota says, hey, all. Grant Leedy says, hello, everyone. Um, and Nick Marota is saying, so let's see the stream through YouTube and Roku are at the same time. Yeah, we are actually simulcasting now. So we've got... Um, we got, a, we got a couple of announcements. We'll get into the announcements right in here. Tom C. has just joined us. Hey, Tom C., how are you? So, yeah, we should be simulcasting to Roku. Is it, um, James or Ron, are you able to verify if we're on Roku right now? I'm working on that right now as we speak. Oh, okay. But that, <laughs> that should be working now. So we should be live streaming, and we should be simulcasting to Roku. And, ho and hopefully every, um, hopefully every um, episode... We'll do that. Um, and it looks like Ron's pulling something up. I don't know what the hell Ron's doing over there, but we'll find out here in just a second. So, yeah, that's one thing. The other thing is that um, we are now not only an audio podcast, but as, as of last week, we have become a video podcast, too. And um, I'm not sure how beneficial that is, but it's something we wanted to try. It's just another thing we wanted to try to do for uh, the people who watch the show. And so um, right now you can get the best of volume one, best of volume two, episode 58 and episode 59 are all playable as a video podcast. It's the exact same thing, just not live. And what was our reason for doing that? It sounded good when we did it, but I forgot why we did it. <laughs> there's, why a did we do it Curtis? there's a couple of reasons, actually. Um, <laughs> one is people that have low bandwidth 
can actually watch a show, and I'm assuming you're doing it in 720p? Yes, 720p. So they'll get better quality picture than sometimes you'll get on YouTube Live. And the other thing is, too, is if you're somebody likes to go camping and stuff where there's no cell phone service or very crappy cell phone service or anywhere that just doesn't have very good bandwidth, that you'll be able to get it downloaded and you can play it without any connection whatsoever. So that's okay. the two reasons. Okay. And, um, yeah, okay. So I know we talked about it and we, we said, all right, let's give it a shot. And we did it. And, um, and it took me a little while to figure out the format that they wanted. My podcast hosting company wants it in a very specific video format. Um, and it turned out that the best of volumes one and two, those were already in that perfect format. So when I uploaded those, they worked. But the ones that I had uploaded from my editing software, because I had actually fixed the past two episodes because the volume was all screwed up. So when I re-edited the episode and saved it, the format wasn't the same and it didn't show up. And so I went through a learning curve and I figured that out. So we're good there. Um, and yeah, so I think uh, it's just another way to get it. Now, from what I can tell, I don't think Google is handling um, the video side of this. I, th I think it does show up on iTunes because I've seen it. I've played them all. But on, on Google Play, they have not shown up. When I looked on my back end, they still say processing, and they've been saying processing for like a week now. So I'm wondering if just Google's podcast only handles audio. Um, but another way you can see them is is on our on our directly on our site. So if you go to cocotalk.live and click on podcast, that'll take you to the Podbean page, who's the company who hosts our podcast, and you can watch them there. And I think you can even download them so that you can actually download the video files straight from the podcast page and then have them and watch them offline. So you know if you um, if you like if you want to take the video with you somewhere but you you don't have wi-fi at work or you don't have the bandwidth to stream it like curtis is saying you could download it to your device but because they're video i would imagine the files are still going to be in the couple of gigabyte range right so you got to have some free space on your portable device on your phone or your tablet just to hold one episode but um yeah we're usually looking from about 800 to a gig and a half for a show in yeah, because the, the audio files were like 200 megabytes on average, so they were fairly small to download and store. And I think the the video files right now, I think they're giving me a cap of three gigabytes. And some of the episodes, I really had to tweak the compression settings to get them to fit into that two gigabytes. So I'll play around with that and try to make um, things. What, what is Ken saying? Ken says, stop playing with your joystick on camera, Jason. I don't know what the hell Ken's talking about there. So um, that's your that's your brother. Listen, it's uh, I don't know what to tell you there. I, you All right, you so can't we're here. pick your relatives. What can I say? <laughs> but it, it should be good for the people. Like I know some people who complain on YouTube that every once in a while it just fuzzes out and goes crappy and starts stuttering and stuff. So if you want a stutter-free experience, except for the host stuttering, because we have Tourette's and stuff, then it should work fine. Yeah. You should get much better quality picture on on the the podcast version. Okay, hopefully. Plus, you can fast and forward so, through us, so that's a good thing too. So. <laughs> and yeah. uh, anybody, any confirmation on uh, Roku right now? I see Ron. Uh, so no, nothing on the live stream. Nothing on the live stream. Nope. On Roku. All right. Well, I, that is beyond my control. Okay. So it's the same and content. Same content, just not that. Yeah, nothing, nothing useful on the screen. Uh, being displayed. Nothing useful, right. So, hey, Paul Fiscarelli has joined us. Hello, Paul. How are you? 
All right, so as we go around the room here, uh, let's see, does anybody have any project updates or acquisitions or short stories they want to share with us? I will start with Grant Leedy. We haven't had you on in a couple of weeks. Grant, anything new and exciting with you? Uh, nothing cocoa-related, just uh, recovering from uh, surgery. And uh, just to let everybody know, I have now lost 40 pounds, so, which is... Uh, wow. I'll be melted away by the time Tandy Assembly comes around. <laughs> Won't even recognize you. Wow. Applause. <laughs> yes. I'm going to have to buy some new T-shirts now because these things are getting too big on me. <laughs> All right. Excellent. Excellent. I noticed you've got a very nice banner um, going on behind you there, too. It looks good. Hey, we've just been uh, we've just been trolled. All right, so we have officially become an episode. We've just been trolled by Retro Innovations. Yep, the ratings just went up now, so that's good. <laughs> All right, Mark Overholz, or anything new and exciting with you? Mm, no, not on the Coco front or anything else. I did get some more memory from my main computer, though. I was given uh, 16 gigs of RAM. Boy, it makes a Ooh. difference. Going from it's 8 the... to 24. Wow. Yeah. RAM is the gift that keeps on giving. Apparently. <laughs> yep. Uh, Rob Inman has joined us. Hey, hey, Rob. Uh, Nick Morentes, I think we're going to get an update from you today, but uh, what else is going on in your world? Uh, not a lot. I've, uh, I, yeah, I do have an update on my um, my uh, game music creator program. So it's it's it now plays um, sound. So I might just do a quick little five minute demo of what it is, what it's at at the moment. Um, okay. I'm, I'm hoping to put together a proper tune just to really show it, show it off. But maybe didn't have time, so maybe next week I can play a tune. But I can quickly show people um, that uh, it's actually working and the uh, project is go. Excellent, excellent. And I know that is the tech segment on this month's Coco Crew podcast. The Coco Crew podcast just squeezed by at the end of May, but they just dropped an episode. I have started to listen. I haven't finished listening yet, So, but I know that is the tech segment is going to be talking about doing music on a Coco DAC. Um, you were mentioned, Nick, in their news segment. I, I don't think I've gotten past the news segment, but what I will say, what I did like about this month is that the news segment, they're taking turns um, talking about some of the news items. So it's nice to hear, you know, just different voices and different perspectives. And so John talks about a few, and then Neil does, and then Myro does. So, yeah, it's yep. kind of cool. I haven't finished hearing it all yet, but I actually enjoy um, uh, what, what I'm hearing in the news so far. Uh, Jim... Brain has just said, my favorite quote so far, does anyone have short stories? As if brevity is understood by anyone on this show. <laughs> well, remember, we're keeping this show yeah. down to two hours today, which means yeah. probably about three and a half. Yeah. Uh, another person who has not been with us in a little while, and we're delighted to have him back, but Sir David Ladd, Lord of the Floppy. What's going on with you? Anything new and exciting this week, David? Mm, not really. <laughs> <laughs> way to really uh ham it up for the show there right so hey um, no truth <laughs> well i we i think we can briefly share what david and i have been working on that's not a cocoa project but david and i have been doing a little bit of minecrafting which we haven't done in a while so um we we got that going for us <laughs> um uh <-huh. laughs> l Curtis Boyle, what's going on with you? Well, I, I would just mention David's actually been involved with doing some uh, MAME compiling, trying to figure out some issues that MAME has been having on. Is it on the Raspberry Pi? or? Uh, yes, that's 
on the Raspberry yeah, him Pi. Him and Ron Klein and a few others have been trying to figure out why it's not compiling properly. Uh, as far as myself, <clears throat> I did get a little bit of Cocoa stuff in. I did some very minor optimizations to G-Shell, which will be part of the Alpha 4 release. And I did the first update to my game's web page in a year. And Ooh. the first added game in two years. Just one, so and it was just it, a bare start, but I added the Pack OS 9 and, and have screenshots of the first three of eight levels that, that the game has. So that's my little bit. Rearranging the deck chairs like Titanic. Hmm, good job. So I'm, I'm sorry, I was updating something on the screen. Can you repeat that last part? What was the game that you um, Pack OS 9. Updated? Pack OS 9. Even includes the source code for download if anybody wants to muck with it. So, so Pack OS 9 is like a Pac-Man? Yeah. It's nice. one of the okay. ones on the uh, Ease of Use Alpha, actually. Okay. Okay. And so you've added that to the games list website. You yeah. want to plug that site for us? Uh, sure. It's, uh, what is it again? Uh, L- www.lcurtisboyle.com uh, slash coco underscore game underscore list dot html. I posted it last week, but we can post it again. Okay. Okay. Hopefully I'll sneak in a few more updates because there's a backlog like crazy on that sucker. Yeah. Michael Brandt is with us too. Qui-Gon Jinn. Uh, welcome, Michael Brandt. Glad to have you in the live chat. Michael works during the day, so he can't always join us on uh, voice or anything. But we're glad to have you here in spirit, Michael. Uh, very, very cool. So we got Curtis. Um, uh, Jason, did, do you know if your video has been um, able to be seen? Video is available. It's I, I put a link in the Skype chat. and. Uh... Okay. Okay. Uh, so we'll get to that in a minute. We'll just do a little segment. Maybe you can annotate that. Uh, anything new and exciting with you this week in the world of Cocoa or Retro? Well, um, uh, like I said here, just uh, left CorvusCon here uh, a little bit ago and uh, still uh, still making those switcheroos. And uh, I, got a, I got a whole bunch of uh, Atari, uh, Atari games I, I picked up. I picked up a, a Snoopy and the Red Baron with the book. Oh, so, neat. So... Uh, yeah, not, not doing too well with the, the the lighting here at the hotel, but and then that's okay. And then uh, one interesting thing, and I, I I just went ahead and said, heck with it, I'm just going to drop the twenty bucks on it. They had a the Adventures of Rocky and Bullwinkle uh, game. It's in his plastic bag, probably making it hard to okay. see. But um, I got it was like I guess it was one that was never released, and the ROM got out there, and someone someone uh, burnt some ROMs for it. Now it doesn't want to come out of the bag, but. Uh, I, I said, what the heck? I went ahead and bought it. They said it was okay. fun. So, uh, it's a 2600 cartridge? Or? It is a 2600 cartridge. I guess it was one of those, from what the fellow was telling me, that it was uh, a licensing issue, and it never actually came out. But So <laughs> I'll, I'll give it a try. And some other <laughs> uh, some other miscellaneous things, like the infamous Private Eye. Uh, I, I've seen videos on that, and it's kind of an odd game. So that was another one okay. I dropped 20 bucks on. And then just wow. some other common things, like uh, some things I didn't have, like uh, Infiltrate and uh, Berserk for the for the 5200. And uh, okay. and I picked up I picked up Hogan's Alley for the uh, for the NES. So ah, neat. Just and then uh, and like he did say, the joystick. I did pick up a couple joysticks. Uh, this one, uh, this uh, what is this Spectre video? It actually does have an auto fire switch and. Ooh, I'll nice. be able to use this with my Atari 2600, 7800, and also with the um, with the, the Coco, Coco ad- with the yeah. uh, the Boys in Tech. I can't remember the name of it. Paragon. 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 Paragon adapters. Yes. Boys in Tech. So uh, I'm gonna I'm looking forward to that. And uh, the other the other thing I did was I uh, 
I didn't buy it, but I did. I did get a, a flyer and an ad. A fellow made a new game for the uh, for the uh, Super NES. Uh, what's it called here? Uh, St- Sydney Hunter and the Curse of Mayan. And I played the first level of it, and it was very. It reminded me of. Uh, there we go. It reminded me of Downland a little bit. To be okay. honest, okay. There was, you yeah. had to climb some vines, and there was acid dripping from the ceiling. So okay. Uh, stuff, but. Uh, that's all I have right now, other than whenever you want to do the video. Okay, we'll get to that after after our break here. Very cool. Uh, Brian Joyce of Extructus Productions. What's going on with you? We haven't spoken to you in a while. Anything uh, new and exciting or anything you want to share with us? Uh, only a, a couple of things over the last week or so. I finally bought um, Boise's book on Amazon Kindle, so I was looking forward to a good read there. And uh, Floppy Life, the David Ladd story, is coming along. It's been furiously put together and uh, should be ready in the first week of July. Oh, nice. Wow. We're looking forward to that. Oh, Have any trailers? Any trailers for us? Uh, no, no apart, from the, apart from the one that's already out there, no. Uh, okay. Yeah. Excellent. It's going to be a surprise. Rick Adams. <laughs> Excellent. Well, we're looking forward to that. You always pr- produce top quality stuff. So. Oh, God. Uh, and we appreciate it. <laughs> Rick Adams, anything you've been tinkering on, on this week? Well, hello from the Rick Adams Man Cave, where I'm happy to tell you that uh, uh, our privacy policy and terms of service have not changed. They lie serenely <laughs> undisturbed uh, next to the uh, Princess Diana Beanie Baby. So yeah, nice. my latest acquisition is a mini MPI, two slots, from Ed Snyder, and I just okay. installed it this morning. And uh, so there is uh, my Coco uh, SDC. And then I bought that red thing is uh, I bought a prototype uh, cartridge uh, case and uh, circuit board at Cocoa Fest. And then once Mm -hmm. I once I had it, I realized there's no way I can use this thing and put things on it unless I have a Cocoa SDC. So that means I need two slots. So I had to get a mini MPI. So that's what that's what's going on there. So I'm thinking about doing a hardware project, uh, which is madness, which is uh, Try. I'm going to try to drive a uh, uh, WS2811 controller uh, LED strips from a Coco. Now, the okay. timing on that is so tight that you can't really do it with ordinary bit banging with a Coco. So I'm going to have okay. to have some sort of shift registers. Well, this is getting into an area that I'm, you know, I'm not really a super duper a hardware guy. I speak just enough hardware to be dangerous, and I mean that literally. Um, so, uh, uh, Dave Philipson has expressed an interest in designing something for me. So I'm really excited about that. So we'll have to see what okay. he comes up with and whether okay. or not I can pull this off or not. Uh, running, uh, you know, you've seen my YouTube videos of all my led light projects that I do for Christmas mm-hmm. and stuff. And, uh, uh, those are very nice, but you know, to do, to do this from a cocoa, actually, to be honest is madness. It's, it's really silly. But I want to do it just for the cool factor and because it would be something fun to uh, take to Cocoa Fests. And so okay. that's, the, that's the news from my corner of the world. Neat, neat, neat. That would be kind of cool to see if you can get uh, your LED displays driven by a Cocoa. Um, I enjoyed seeing some of those videos of you doing it through the Raspberry Pi. So um, that would be kind of cool. All right, are you guys still with me? Oh, wow. I just lost Skype. 
You guys are going to have to hold on for just a second. Skype has just crashed, so I've lost everybody on Coco Talk. <laughs> We're going to try this again, boys and girls. Uh, let's see if I can join in. Let's hopefully see if they'll accept my call. Um, yeah. <laughs> you guys still there? Yeah. Oh, there yeah, we, we can hear you now. Wow. Yeah. Skype Skype crashed on me. Yep. Literally just uh, crashed on me. Okay. So, yeah, I was saying that it would be really cool to see if you could get that um, those LEDs controlled by your Cocoa. That would be an inter- interesting thing to see. Mm-hmm. Watch the space. Yep. And Bruce Very Moore cool. just joined us, too, while you were rebooting your Skype. So. Oh, hey. How's it going, eh? Going good. All right. So um, we're, we're, we're going through the show and tell round of the show. Do you got anything you want to update us on as far as what you've been working on this past week? Uh, I just keep plugging away Coco Forever. Um, a couple more interactive programs to go with various episodes. I'm I'm really pushing to make sure this gets like like I say spring and spring is a fit, is good until what June twentieth or something like that. Nineteen. Okay. Okay. So <laughs> yeah. So I'm, keeping you, I'm keeping you honest. <laughs> okay. So I'm yeah. I'm really pushing to have something uh, something out the door um, before then. So just. Keeping my fingers okay. crossed. I think it's coming. So, Excellent. Excellent. Yeah. Well, I've enjoyed what we've seen so far, and I like what you're doing with it. Um, it is really interesting that we're, we're getting this, um, this different form of entertainment. It is a Coco project, but part of it is kind of like podcast-ish because it's audio. But it's also entertainment. It's kind of like fiction. It's, uh, you know, it's, there's just a lot of things going on. And then you have this extra layer of this interactivity with some software, um, almost like uh, becomes like an augmented reality type thing or a second screen experience or whatever. So it's kind of neat that you're doing mixed media. And it's an interesting concept. It's an interesting um, story and approach. So, yeah, I'm really looking forward to, uh, you know, seeing what you do with all this. Do we need all 3D right, glasses sure. for it? I not not yet. Okay, just checking. <laughs> I have mine handy. Just cool stuff. Case. That cool sounds stuff. like feature creep. Now we're gonna add 3D. <laughs> yeah. Now um, James Diffendaffer was mentioned uh, on the Coco Crew podcast as optimizing ROMs and taking what he's done on the MC10 and applying it to the Coco. And uh, we, James does a lot and has done a lot, and um, it's just a really interesting guy. So, what what you been up to this week, James? Uh, um, this week, not a lot, but um, I do have some uh, additional patches for the uh, uh, Cocoa ROM that I'm that are pretty close. Um, I had them up and testing, and in Microsoft's infinite wisdom, they decided to reboot my machine for an update. And uh, for some reason, the first time ever. Um, my editor didn't save a backup of the code, so uh, I'm going to have to redo a, uh, some stuff or look through uh, all its backups and see if it's still there. Um, That's what you get for Windows 10. Oh, God. <laughs> it's progress. Yeah. Um, they, it, I'm guessing that those two things were the next two biggest speed increases I found on... Uh, on uh, code on the MC10 for the interpreter, you know. Uh, so hopefully you'll get about a 4% speed up uh, uh, somewhere in there across the board. Um, since the uh, 
6809 takes a few more clock cycles on a few instructions. Well, it's usually like one more clock cycle. Uh, it might actually give a, a little better performance bump than that, but it's going to be, you know, like a quarter percent or something. So it's not like it's a significant deal. Um, this is patching a Coco 3 ROM, right? This is patching the Coco 3 ROM. Um, I've been looking at uh, patching the uh, Color Basic ROM with, uh, for a 6309 uh, 60, uh, version, and there are, so that it's something that we can actually burn into ROM, and all Cocos can take advantage of it if you have the 6309. Ooh, and uh, it. it on the MC-10, I, I basically, you know, rewrote everything so it was faster. It, and one of the things was um, a memory move when you're allocating variables. And uh, every, every time you allocate a new variable, if it wants to put it a certain place in the variable list, if you don't define them in the proper order, it has to do a memory move and it can get very time consuming on the startup of a basic program on the mc10 um the the 16-bit memory move actually cut the startup time on a on one of the ports that uh was done it cut like a second and a half to two seconds off the startup of one of the programs wow uh, so th there's that and then there's uh for string manipulation, the you know you've got on the 6309, the memory moves are you've got ones for moving up in memory or down in memory, and it it it's a whole lot faster to do a memory move with those than uh, separate instructions. I think it's uh, four clock cycles per byte it moves. Where on the code. Um, you're probably passing eight to ten. Uh, just just off the top of my head, I don't know. So anything with a lot of string manip manipulation should be sped up. And I might, this is might, be able to fit in a multiply patch using the uh, larger multiply of the 6309, but I'm going to have to do some theatrics because it's a signed multiply instead of an unsigned multiply, which is what the, the floating point code needs. Yeah. Um, I, I was about, jeez, oh I think I was about 20, uh, 15 or 20 bytes over or something like that on on the uh, existing patch that I did on the 60, uh, fitting it in ROM on the Coco 3. Code. So there's that. And um, let's see what else. I should mention, actually, uh, you should get together with Sockmaster on that because he's done a bunch of 639 patches for the Coco 3 ROMs already, not to burn in a ROM per se, but patches to basic. It's like scrolling and some get put buffer stuff and all right. bunch of things. And, so and, and, uh, you might as well integrate that too because, I mean, yeah, his code is pretty good. That's what I was uh, kind of wondering about too. That's out of the the what the three hundred peaks and pokes book or something. There's some patches in there. Is that what you're referring to, Curtis? No, uh, Sockmaster did some six zero nine specific speed ups for the Coco three. Oh, okay. Okay. Well, the uh, scroll scroll is one of the things that I patched on the MC ten, and it cut over. Oh, geez, what was it like? It was something like twelve hundred clock cycles. 
by yep. using a 16-bit scroll, and by using this, it would probably save 3,000. Yeah, with so, these TFM, it should speed up even more. That's, I think, what Sock did. Because he did that for screen yep. clears, both graphics and text. He did it for screen right. scrolls. Yeah. yeah, the clear screen and the uh, screen scroll were some were both things I did on the MC10. So those are on the list, and it's not very difficult to do. So I don't think I'll even have to bother him with that. But Yeah, it should shrink the code, too, so it might give you some room for these other routines you're talking about. Well, the problem is I need... Uh, every time I do a jump or something you know i it's additional time and it's three bytes of code probably because it's probably a long jump yeah. and um so it kind of negates some of the speed up and on the uh scroll and things like that i might have i don't know 15 bytes at the most uh, if i'm lucky you know so I it it may or may not work out. We'll see. Um, there's also the uh, I think the the other patch was that uh, uh, what was it the uh, invert and multiply. There's a uh, there's a common uh, divide by a constant of ten when converting between uh, constant integers in the source code. And uh, and your floating point numbers, and that is a very significant. Uh, that that I think was worth four percent speed up on the MC10, but that code needs a little work. That was one of the next patches I was going to do for the uh, Coco Three, and uh, the 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 there is a potential problem with that because you cannot re you can represent. Uh, for a divide, you can represent the 10, but represent, representing 1 over 10, um, you know, for the reciprocal, is doesn't come out to an exact number in floating point. So it, there, it, it has a potential impact on a few applications, but uh, it'll require a, a bunch of testing, and I may have to release a patch with it and without it. Uh, the in uh, Microsoft's infinite wisdom, they didn't when tokenizing code. They didn't pre-convert numbers to 16-bit um, integers or whatever they're they're stored as ASCII, and so it has to convert every single character, and it's very time-consuming. That's a lot of overhead. Yeah, because division is very slow, and every four next loop. You, you almost every single one you're using like for I equal one to ten or whatever it has to convert one and it has to convert ten and the larger the number the more digits you have to convert so th that was one of the other speed ups um busy going on <clears throat> yeah yeah <laughs> yep anyway there's that uh, okay and uh, if you're running uh, a little short at the end of the show, I can talk about something else I've been laying the groundwork for. <clears throat> All right. Well, there we go. Very, very cool stuff. And Ron Delvaux loading up uh, high-color images of the Coco Talk After Dark logo there. What's your week been like this week, Ronnie? Well, <clears throat> I dug out my uh, Tandy 1000 TL. Nice. And uh, 
Let's see. I brought up some software stuff. I opened it up. It has a 20 gig, um, this megabyte, 20 megabyte. <laughs> it's hard to say. Hard to say. <laughs> I thought you were talking about the Tandy 10,000 for a second there. <laughs> yeah, really. Anyways, let me see if I can uh, back this off. That was Tandy's uh, server? Yeah, and this is the guts of it. And um, I'll just show you the uh, Boulder Dash program. Yeah, yeah. And uh, it worked. Yeah, that's cool. And I use, uh, used to use Telex all the time. That's what I used to use, too. Yeah, CompuServe. Space Link. I used to go on Space uh, that's Link. That's like your, that was your that was your address book of yeah. who to call. Yep. <laughs> CompuServe and TBBS was a uh, Tandy bulletin board that uh, I used to go on, and the guy had a whole bunch of stuff on it. That's what it looked like dialing. Wow. And that's the uh, screen. What a blast from the past. Yeah. Man. Can you hear that? Nope. Probably can't hear it. Yeah, no, that's cool though. I used to love to play Boulder Dash. It was a fun game. Yeah, yeah. No yeah, local uh, versions too, so we still have no. Uh, yeah. Okay. Listen, it is. Uh, it's beyond my control. Yeah, I, I so, contacted him. I mean, he said, "What? It was all arranged." Yeah. Yeah. So. It's uh, so. I mean, I am streaming to the stream server that supposed to be scheduled to receive the stream, but uh, other than that, it's beyond my control. So. Um, I like the idea of us trying to be live in two places, but if it's just not going to work, I am still going to hand him the episodes as soon as they're done. So ah, if, okay. if, if, if this doesn't, <clears throat> I mean, it should work. I'm not sure why it's not, but if this just becomes uh, a challenge, then you, they'll, they'll be, you know, he'll have them in an hour, uh, after the show's done. So he can probably just um, use the podcast it, versions directly. Couldn't he? Uh, probably at that point, but yeah, but those won't be posted right away, but at least well, I'll, I'll give the episode to him while it's still fresh and warm from the oven, you know, the same day. Uh, I'm fresh still trying like to a steaming pile of, oh, sorry, go ahead. Yeah. Steaming pile. Yes. Uh, you know, I'm, 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 I'm kind of trying to just to decide, maybe we can make a group decision here right now. Um, you know, what's the benefit of. <clears throat> releasing the different versions of the show and just just to give you an idea and i'm not sure it makes sense but in the past so what happens is because the way this show started and the way i envision the show is that it's a video show right it's 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 a live show it's an interactive show so it's really best when you get to experience it in real time um, and most of the people do but not everybody can and I get that now the audio podcast traditionally I've been holding on to for about a week because I want to see how big is each show's numbers going to reach because historically we have averaged anywhere between 150 to 200 views on the videos because we, we might get 60 to 80 um, during the live portion and then throughout the week it gets to 100 to 200 views so i was wanting to give that first impression time to reach its maximum potential and then release the audio version and so historically the audio version has been released about a week later um <clears throat> i don't know if it really matters to do that or not because uh, because when we when we even first started talking about doing it in audio the idea was, well, are we competing with ourselves? <laughs> you know, and it's such an odd 
thing to think about because at the end of the day, what what's the purpose of the show? What's the goal of the show? Well, we're trying to create content for people to enjoy. So does it make sense to hold anything ransom and hold anything for, for hostage or should I just release it all? So like today, when this show is done, should I release the audio version and the video version as a podcast the same day and be done with it? And just figure whatever happens, if people view it on YouTube throughout the week, they will. If people listen to it, they will. If people watch it as a podcast, they will. <laughs> but does it make sense to hold back from the people who watch it? My personal opinion is that I don't think it does now. I think it made sense at the beginning to do the delays because then you could find out what your actual numbers are. Yeah. And you can see, you know, how much, how many people use of each. Because the people that only have limited, you know, data caps or bandwidth or whatever will mm-hmm. try to use, say, the audio mm-hmm. podcast. Anyway, I, they wouldn't watch live YouTube or whatever. <clears throat> Especially, I mean, I, I know we've seen complaints in the chat room quite a few times where people say it gets fuzzed out and stuttery and whatever else. Probably because they have bandwidth issues on their end. Um, so having the uh, audio podcast as a way for them to get a completely clean, crisp audio version. And now you've got the video version as well. So they have the option. It, you know, it takes as long to download as, a, as long to download as their bandwidth is. But once they play it, it plays full, full throttle. As opposed to we're on live streaming, if you're getting bandwidth problems in your area or just your connection is not that great to begin with, you're going to get a crappy quality picture, period. So I, I don't see any reason now to hold it back. I think the original reason was to try to figure out what the numbers were going to be and how much of it would affect each other if they did. Okay. Yeah, and unfortunately, there's no single place for me to go to compile all of the views. You know, I've got to look at the YouTube views and then I've got to look at the podcast download numbers. Um, I, I guess you know, my question I mean, to you, Steve, is... After you start doing the audio podcast, did the video numbers drop or increase or stay the same? Mm, and maybe at first it seemed like they, uh, they maybe a little bit, maybe just a little bit. Because when we were video only, we would hit 200 almost all the time or close to 200 almost every episode. Um, so the video views now, uh, 200 is a good number, not an average number. So an average number is 125 to 150. Um, which is still a decent number. But, you know, at the end of the day, what's what's the goal? Why are we doing this show? We're doing this show and for the people who want to watch it, right? So it should be made available, I think. Yeah. And how many, how many are listening to the audio podcast per week now? Uh, we average about 100 audio downloads per week. So your so net total that, is 225 to 250 on average now. Yeah. yeah Sometimes yeah. bumping up to 300 total. Yeah, so you've yeah, increased viewership, yeah. which is the purpose. In, 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 yeah, and we, we can't call it viewership when you listen, but uh, yeah. consumptions. We've increased our consumption. You can watch the little play right? marker move across, so it's kind of visual. But. <laughs> so I guess we, for those of us who are on the panel, feel free to chime in with your thoughts and opinions. And those who are watching us live right now, I mean, we're doing the show for us and for you guys who watch us. So what, well, what do the people who watch the show think? I'll tell you what. Uh, I have limited bandwidth i only have 100 gigs a month and if i miss part of the show or what whatever like last week i had to drop off early um i listened to the podcast and instead of watching it on youtube because it saves Mm -hmm. me bandwidth and um i you know i miss out on a few things and i can go back and look at the video if there's something i really want to see but uh most of the relevant conversation, you know, is, is covered in the audio. Uh, you miss some of the antiques and some of the stuff that makes it fun, but, you know, it is what it is. There. Yeah. Yeah. 
I mean, that's what Twit TV does, too, because they went video. And, I mean, some of their shows are very visually oriented. But surprisingly enough, I mean, they started as an audio podcast, so it's a bit different. But in their case, uh, their audio viewership is literally ten times their video viewership even now. Right. Mm. And, and like I said, if, if there's something you need to see, you can track it down on the, on the, the YouTube video and just go to that section and watch it if you... On, on that note, I'm trying to help out with that. The last four episodes, I've got pretty much indexed all the major things. If you look at the uh, show notes, you'll see there's time offsets you can click on and take you right to a section. So I'm working on getting all the others, too, but they take a little bit of time. Yeah, okay. that's, a, that's a huge help. That would it be is. a huge help. And a matter of fact, um, just as a suggestion for uh, the, uh, the Coco Crew podcast, um, the one thing that's missing from theirs is the index. Well, they have show notes. Yeah, right. with the time stamps there, it's on the Coco Crew org site. For the, you got to go to their website. And for their, it has their major sections, like the news section and the interview section and all that. That's helpful. Okay. Yeah, yeah, I do use that to scrub through things. Like, like sometimes I just don't want to hear tech. Or if I'm crunched for time, I might want to fast fast forward past the tech segment and get to the games corner or something like that. So it's, it's very helpful. Um, and and what what the nice thing about um, YouTube it does it automatically is that if you just put in a time like you know like one right. if you put in like ten minute, colon second. fifteen yeah if you put like ten colon fifteen it takes you and it, it, it it turns it into a hyperlink at ten minutes and fifteen seconds so um, so Mark Overholzer has been doing that quite a bit and and so <clears throat> yeah my thought was originally when we went audio was that um, hey, people would listen to it, and if there was something they were hearing where they say, man, I got to see that, I really want to see what they're talking about, then when their schedule permitted, they would just go back and find the video and, and watch it. Um, but I do, I do realize that I guess some people are in this kind of bandwidth um, challenged situation yeah, where that, that and data caps are the two main reasons to do the audio podcast i think yeah yeah, both yeah. Can and, be and, uh, well and also and don't Nick, don't forget the people who like to listen to it in their car or while working yeah. out or doing housework or other things too so yeah mm -hmm. yeah yeah or working out in your car as you're doing <laughs> housework um you know for those who multitask and listening to the podcast I, I think the other reason we we stuck with youtube and then separated the audio podcast too is because you were trying to monetize more on youtube and then since they bumped it up so that you have to have you know way more views to even make right you know, right dozens of cents right. that it that's yeah. not as much of an issue anymore either unfortunately yeah yeah when it was on the old channel and we were getting 200 views a week with monetization those 200 views translated to 20 cents or something like that. So, you know, if I sell one T-shirt, I've made one selling salary. one T-shirt. Yeah. <laughs> if I make like $5 on a T-shirt, that's like the equivalent of uh, 50,000 views. We're never going to get 50,000 views. So worrying about YouTube to help um, supplement the cost of living, it's, it's not, it's not going to happen. So, but yeah, so Patreon has helped. Um, T-shirts have helped. Um, Patreon, um, we, because we got a couple of very generous donors, and by the way, the names are scrolling across the bottom of the screen here. Let's take a quick moment to thank our patrons. But Paul Fiscarelli is a patron. Um, Disney Saints fan is a patron. Brian Joyce is a patron who's also on the show. And so is uh, Steve Bjork is a patron. And Richard... 
Lorbieski <laughs> is a patron. Um, Alan Huffman is a patron, as you can see here, right? So uh, Brendan Donahue is a patron. So um, the the fact that the patronage went up, Bruce Moore. Um, was able to us for me to upgrade the podcast hosting plan to include uh, and our latest patron Diego BF109 thank you guys so our patronage now has gone up so I was able to upgrade the podcast hosting plan to include video hosting so um, I, I think at the end of the day the goal is is we're creating this show for the people who want to watch it so let's 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 get it out there i agree and uh and 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 let it be that so um <clears throat> and it's just like adding it to coco tv is it really helping uh and i say i say it doesn't hurt right if if, if you gain one, one person beer watches you gained it. i mean that's, yeah. that's what i if look one at person it, watches it or if you know i i think right now anybody who's going to watch us on roku they already know about the show so they're just going to say hey let me just check it out on roku but it's not like bringing anything new to the table but i think the the possibility to somebody to stumble across it and see it and you get one more person interested in the cocoa and then you get one more person who ends up buying one on ebay and joins the facebook group and starts asking all the questions and it's like to me that's what helps keep me invigorated is logging on to Facebook and seeing somebody who says, oh, man, I just got a Coco 2 off of eBay and I haven't had one in 20 years. And, you know, that Christmas morning uh, feeling that everybody gets when they first get back into the Coco. I've been in it for a while. I kind of forgot that feeling. You know, I still love the machine, but you forgot what it's like when you got your first eBay, you know. And so I love seeing those posts where everybody's like, oh, this is great. I just got a Coco. And, you know, and um, speaking of the Coco Crew podcast, Again, Ken Reichert's game was mentioned, how he released his first adventure game he wrote as a kid, his spy game. You know, so, I mean, these are just cool little things that we can share. So if we bring one more person into the into the collective and they become part of the Coco Borg, um, it's a good thing. So I think we're helping we're helping the greater good. Yeah, the way I look at it is it's about discoverability putting yourself on new platforms that people can stumble on it, like you said. And if you're on the more places to discover, then you have a better chance of having additional users. So the more platforms you can get it on, as long as it's not a ton of effort and, and you're spending hours and hours trying to get ready for another platform, <laughs> it'd be good. <laughs> Jim Brain says, I'm, I'm partial to a distribution idea where you record the show offline and then place it into the waste basket. <laughs> <laughs> well, at least he's recycling. That's what I'm <laughs> <laughs> Oh, Lord have mercy. All right. Well, it's been 50 minutes, so we haven't even started the show yet. So. Steve, can, I just hour, say uh, can I just say something about the, the podcast? Um, sure, please, Brian. Something, something is purely selfish for me is that um, I spend an hour uh, each day, an hour and a half each day, um, either way, going to work on a bus and back. So... To have uh, the video brought, the video podcast has been fantastic because, as you know, I'll probably watch them five or six times each so I can pick out the best bits for the best of show. Um, so I, I have a lot of time to spend uh, uh, watching it and listening to it to and from work. So, and then the release of the video podcast has been fantastic. Love it. Okay. Mm. Excellent. Yeah, because you can play back at different speeds too, can't you? So you can go through That's them a little bit faster. That's true too, and then unfortunately, especially here, four uh, G data is quite uh, expensive when you get past your uh, your little cap that you have. So, um, yeah, to have it to have it downloaded at home and 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 take it with you wherever you go is fantastic. 
Okay. Mm. Well, thanks. Well, purely yeah, selfish. Listen, you, no, that's fine. <laughs> that's fine because honestly, you're you've become a big part of the show with um, you know creating extra bonus content for us. So if that helps you, then that's fine. Um, and real quick too, so something else I have done, which I haven't told any, too many people about, but because I had to upgrade my um, streaming software too, which also is help being um, funded by our patrons, but I am paying a little bit of money to help me multicast. So I stream once and I can hit all these things that helps me hit uh, a Roku TV. I'm also multi-streaming right now, not only to YouTube, but I'm also streaming to Twitch and to Mixer, because why not? If one or two people happen to stumble across the show, they don't know what a Coco is, but they might stick around. Well, I just got somebody on Mixer called Master Gaming 2550 that said hi. So hello, Master Gaming, and welcome to episode 60 of Coco Talk that you just randomly stumbled across. But my whole thing is this, is we're making a show because we, this is like, we are the Jehovah Witnesses of the color community. Computer. We're out here <laughs> knocking on doors, handing out pamphlets, right? We're trying to spread the word, and we're trying to convert people over to our way of thinking. So, well, hopefully we're I not can... as annoying, though. I'm sure Jim Brain would disagree with that. <laughs> True. <laughs> so, um, I, I don't think, you know, it, are we saturating a market? I don't know. Are we? What does that make we... the Coco Crew if we're the JWs? <laughs> I, I, I'm not sure how that works. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> well, they don't go out as often, so you know. They're not. Yeah. So they they are the they're the Sunday church you go to. We're the ones who come out and knock on your. They're door. They're the Orthodox so. people, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> so all right. So is, this, so is the decision being made that we are now releasing both the audio and video at the same time? I think so. I think Same okay. day, later in the afternoon. You know, because it's gonna take me a little bit. I have there's a little bit of work I have to do, to um, you know, convert it to audio. Not much, but a little. So yeah. So probably by the end of today, they'll be they'll be dropped. Cool. And then the world can Fantastic. enjoy them however they choose to enjoy them, audibly, vis- videobly, whateverly. <laughs> if we have a way um, to push the the video version straight to Jim Brain to annoy him, that would be great. <laughs> <laughs> Suck his yes. bandwidth up. Yeah. All right. So how about we do this? Let's take a quick moment to recognize our sponsors, although we will not recognize one of them for troll purposes. Um, <laughs> and then we'll take a then we'll take a commercial break. Actually, before we do that, since Ken is here, so Ken Reichard, uh, brother of Jason Reichard, has created a whole bunch of Switcheroo commercials. Now, last week we tried to get a quote-unquote Australian person to do the uh, voice for us and uh, failed miserably. He was hopeless. (laughs) (laughs) I'm beginning to suspect he's not really an Aussie. No, I think he's he's from Singapore or something. I don't know. New I've Zealand been, or South I've been African or something. To you guys too much, and my accent is tainted. <laughs> <laughs> what, what is happening here? <laughs> Somebody just put out here. Uh, so, like JWs, but with copies of the rainbow instead of the watchtower. <laughs> so it's so much more useful. <laughs> Hi, I'd like to share with you Rainbow Magazine. <laughs> 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 have you heard about the cocoa? Uh, have you heard about the cocoa? Can we sit down and talk about the cocoa? I don't care if you believe in the apple. We're going to talk about the cocoa. <laughs> going to convert you to my way of thinking. So, um, so Ken Reichert has been a busy bee, um, and we're going to play one of his commercials at random here for the Switcheroo, and then we'll, we'll and then we'll acknowledge most of our sponsors. So check this out. 
Switcheroo, the RGB discard solution for the Color Computer 3. Use your Coco with a modern display. Go from RGB to composite with just the flip of a switch. The Switcheroo. Artifact colors do not work in Australia. Hashtag irony. Coco3scartcable.com <laughs> There you go. At least one of the Riker brothers has got some talent, so um, that's and a the, good And thing. the other one makes switcheroo ads. Yes. Yes, we got it. We got it. Good one there, Jason. He is quick. He is quick-witted. Um, so let's acknowledge some of the people who contribute to our community uh, in many ways. So one of them would be Brendan Donahue of the Coco VGA Project. Very cool stuff. Uh, a lot of people who are getting their color computers are saying, well, what can I do to connect my Coco to a modern display? Well, if you've got a Coco 3, you can get a switcheroo and connect it with, with an RGB discard adapter. Um, if you've got a Coco 2, you can do a Coco project and get the Coco VGA adapter, which gives you very clean uh, crisp output still simulates the artifact colors and also has some enhanced features like 64 columns, more graphics, lowercase, programmable typefaces, you name it. Palettes. So check out uh, palettes, you name it. It's it's all kinds of stuff there. So it's the Cocoa on steroids. Uh, it's almost like a Cocoa 2.5, right? It's not quite the Cocoa 3, but it's like a Cocoa 2.5. It's our version uh, of the deluxe Cocoa. There you go. That's a perfect analogy right there, Curtis Boyle. Our version of the Colux Coco. Um, and so if you want to see a website with virtually no content on it, check out boysontech.com. Um, it's got a lovely logo of a tree that has not borne any fruit in quite some time. But uh, Richard Lorbieski of Boyson Tech uh, creates the uh, boomerang memory board, the Paragon, Sega Joypad to Atari adapter, doohickey, and also a SCART solution that I must say does not have a switch. So uh, we, but he's got one. So check out Boys on Tech. If you want to get trolled, then go to uh, go the number four retro.com retro innovations maker of fine quality enhancements of your vintage computing systems, including the Commodore, the Texas Instruments, and the Coco. Maker of so fine lots sarcasm. Of things Maker of fine sarcasm and lots of things coming down the pike from Retro Innovations for the Coco. As you know, we currently have the Coco Flash. We've got the Coco Mem, the Coco Mem Junior. Soon we'll have the eight-port expander multi-pack board that can be extended to 16 packs. And who knows what else Jim Brain will come up with. He did post something where he's putting a 6809 chip on a cartridge that can plug into a Commodore and run OS9 on a Commodore. Say it isn't so. Cats and dogs. Well, you have to improve in the harmony. Commodore somehow. So. <laughs> 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 whose head is ready to explode now right mind equals blown so um it, it, if it yeah right. os9 yeah. was sprites and sound imagine <laughs> that i'm just waiting so for the 6502 our, option for the coco <laughs> so if you want to learn how to make an sd card boot up like a rom pack then go to sdpack.com our friend antonio Jimenez has come up with this really cool project where you can make a self-booting coco sd card that will plug into your coco sdc we've already heard about the switcheroo you know what that is um we will appear at some point in time on coco tv sometimes live sometimes uh pre-recorded but uh, another way to enjoy the show will be on the coco tv channel on roku thanks to roger taylor for that 
Uh, if you want to get some merchandise and help support the show, you can get T-shirts, coffee mugs, adult diapers, um, and ha- uh, male enhancement products. Whatever you need, we've got some colon cleansing pills. All kinds of cool stuff at your retro swag shop at 8bit256.com. Check it out. Uh, if you're new to the Coco or you just want to find out more, look at here's Brian Joyce. Well, nobody else can see that, but Brian Joyce is holding up his mug. We'll switch. Here, let me switch over here for just a second here. Uh, hold up, hold that up again, Brian. Ah, here's his Coco Talk mug looking really nice there, very dapper. All right, so you got your Coco Talk mug there. Um, so, yeah, we got that. Um, check that out. If you want to find out more about the color computer, go to I'mACocoNut.com. If you want to reach out to the show, you can go to CocoTalk.live. That .live is an actual web extension, like a .com or a .net, right? So go to CocoTalk.live. There you can email the show, reach out to our Facebook page, our Twitter, Instagram, all that good stuff. I think we're on JDate, Snapchat, and um, uh, Tinder and Grinder, and all those other sites, too. So check us out there. <laughs> Um, you can check out the Coco Crew podcast at cococrew.org. Episode 36 has just dropped. I'm going to try to finish that this weekend. Last but certainly not least, our good friend from Australia, Nick's neighbor, Brian Joyce of Extructus Productions at FD501.com. So there you go, folks. Make sure you support the community who's supporting our systems. Did I do a good enough job? Beautiful. Adequate. Adequate. Okay, so it's one o'clock. How much of that was real? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Um, we're an hour into the show. When does this show start? (laughs) How's the volume, by the way? Is anybody listening on YouTube, and does it sound good and loud on YouTube? Because I know we've had that volume issue the past couple weeks. I'm hoping I've got that bug squashed now. Good and loud aren't the same thing, of course, but well, yeah. (laughs) And Jim Brain can't be good because he's got his mute button on permanently, so. Sounds Paul, great. Okay, so, Paul, so really. Paul says it sounds good. All right, so we're going to run a bumper and a commercial, and then we'll be back. And so we're going to pull up uh, your um, link, Jason. Should I pull up your video for uh, CorksCon? Okay, sounds good. All right, so after our break, we're going to have um, almost live from CorksCon, our roving correspondent, Jason Riker, is going to show us what you guys are missing right now at the Columbus, Ohio Retro Gaming Society. So we'll be back in just a moment, folks. Hi, it's Ron Dovo, Timberman, and this is Coco Talk. Hi, this is the award-winning Alan Huffman of Subbeat the Software, and you're watching Stevie Fall Off Cliffs. Hey, what's going on, everybody? It's me. It's your gamer, Stevie Stroh. You know, gameplay. To get your copy of a gameplay goodness color computer gaming DVD today, head on over to 8bit256.com. There you will find several DVDs featuring color computer gameplay videos by the original gamer, Stevie Stroh. So to get your very own copy of a gameplay goodness color computer gaming DVD, head on over to the Retro Swag Shop at 8bit256.com and tell them the original gamer, Stevie Stroh, sent you. Radio Shack has a great gift idea for the whole family. Fast action TV games, and they're on sale. Get this six-game model for $29.95 or the four-game model for $21.95. With rising entertainment costs, that's a real bargain. You play hockey, tennis, squash, and more. Easy to hook up and great family fun that lasts all year long. The sale price TV games. Only at Radio Shack, a Tandy company. 
All right, so I've got pulled up a video that Jason has uh, shared with us. It's about um, two minutes in length. Is that the right one, Jason? Yeah, just a little under 52? two minutes. And I, I think okay. I do have that six-game version of that light gum from Radio Shack, too. Oh, that's cool. I'd actually <laughs> like to see that. All right, so what we're looking at here, um, do you need to commentate on this? For hey, us, it's Jason, pretty self-explanatory. It yeah, just go ahead and let it play. If there's anything, I'll add it. All right, here we go. I'm I'm going to take a wild guess and say that looks like a Donkey Kong cabinet. Am I right there? Right, right it is. All right, you see how astute I am at this. <laughs> Pretty big room. It looks bigger than a Cocoa Fest. Oh, absolutely. Than the old Rainbow Fest. Yeah, there's a lot more women here than at Coco Fest. Yes, absolutely. There's their Coleco Collector Vision games. Yeah, that, that's cool. It's actually a Super Nintendo game. Okay. There's the Donkey Kong. Australia? Kong. Oh, Kong. I see a Coleco uh, um, television back there in the background. Some Atari systems there. Yeah, lots of Atari, lots of Atari. Yeah. Do you show the cocoa in the box? Ooh, look at these television cartridges. Coco Nuts. Is that in television oh, or 2600? Super Nintendo, too. Now, is this pretty well mostly gaming systems, or is there a fair mix of computer home computers, too? It was mostly gaming systems. There was a few home computers here and there, but it was mostly mostly gaming systems. Lot, lots of Atari. Uh, now, this, this is this here, it's a lot of focus. This is actually a very rare game. Uh, I think it's Red Street Sea Crossing. There's only a few. It was a mail-order-only game, and uh, it was there available for play. Wow, fourteen hundred dollars. I want for that thing. Fourteen thousand dollars. Fourteen thousand. The last time one went for auction. So yeah, that's that's it there. So. Wow. But that uh, is uh, something else. I did. They had that Red Sea game available for uh, play. I played it. It was. It was okay. It was a thirty. It was like thirty-five dollars uh, originally, and it was a mail order only thing. And from what I understand, they're thinking they were only a hundred ever produced and. Uh, Wow. Only two have been even found, so I guess af after the show they're going to put it up for auction somewhere. So it'll probably go for way more than I, may, way more than I'm going to want to pay for any type of game. Yeah, but yeah. It, as you see, I did buy the I did buy the Cocoa Nuts game, and that is for the twenty six hundred. So I okay. couldn't really hear in the video there, but I, I did say, well, I guess I ha I have to buy this one, you know. Ah, yeah, yeah, that's cool. Yeah, when I was first seeing those cartridges, I, I forgot that like Parker Brothers made those angled-looking cartridges even for the 2600. I thought they were ColecoVision cartridges at first because well, you know, Parker Brothers was pretty interesting. They weren't square-topped or flat-topped. Well, this isn't even a Parker Brothers card. I don't know who this yeah. is. I actually had to ask the guy who was selling these. I said, is this a 2600 game? It is, it is very... It's different. It's, it's very different. different. It has a little uh, little notches here. And yeah. It, it's, and it yeah. Had, the end is even kind of a strange looking here. It's got a little bump on the end of it. So I, 
I, I had to ask. I mean, it didn't matter. It didn't matter at that point what it was for. It said cocoa on it. I was going to have to buy yeah. it. Yeah, so. of course. It's, going, it's like my wife collects giraffes. So anything that's got a giraffe on it, you got to get it. You know, she collects shot glasses. So if it's a shot glass, you got to get it. So if it's something out in the wild and it says, and, and that's another cool thing about on the Facebook group, people will take pictures of like restaurants or businesses around the world where, you know, I know Hugo DeFord has sent us a few things from wherever he's at. Where, where is he at? He's Quebec, in, I think. Uh, Quebec, Mont- right? So, Montreal. Yeah. You know. One of those damn foreign countries. So, um, you know, these people send these pictures where you see the word cocoa. It's just kind of cool to see it out in the wild in different places. And so, and the fact that it's a game and it's kind of a game that was around the same time the cocoa was around, that's pretty cool, right? So, yeah, absolutely. Um, what, what, cool. What, what was that Donkey Kong machine with Australia? Yeah, that was on different. It? That was an Australia one, it said. Yeah, well. I, I honestly did not get that close a look at it. Uh, I. Uh, it was kind of up on a stage, and there wasn't a lot of room there. That's where I uh, stood for a lot of the video I shot, and uh, I don't know. I, I I didn't really look into it. That was towards the end of it. I wasn't I wasn't feeling well, and I uh, I decided to come back to the hotel. And I had I had been, I had walked through the place probably about five times, and they did have another room there that you see where that Red Sea uh, crossing game is. They had a um, area where they could have talks and they had a couple arcade games it was pretty empty in that room it looked like it was more like a a forum type room but uh, okay wasn't anything going on in there when i was there so it's definitely bigger than coco fest but i mean we appreciate you being here for the show too but it was even as big as it was you you had enough where you just didn't need to be hanging out there on the floor i i spent i spent enough money <laughs> and it 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 was kind of crowded i had i did have some difficulties getting getting around the show um okay uh, a lot of people just kind of stopped and um but i you know and uh i i did talk to a few people and people you know especially the folks that had some of the computers and they had heard of the coco but i started to feel a little bit like some of the jw's where i started talking about the coco we have donkey kong on the coco you know yeah here's real pamphlet (laughs) <laughs> yeah, but, uh, and there was a couple people I mentioned the Coco to, and they they cringed. I said, "Well, it's not as bad as you remember. It's uh, we have yeah. Donkey Kong and Pac Man. That's right. All right. We have the truth. That's pretty. Yeah. Yes, we do. <laughs> and Space Invaders. And we've and Forest of Doom and oh, Timberman yeah. and Popstar Pilot. You know, Defender. Yeah. Defender. You know, so it's you know, <laughs> yeah, good stuff. You know. Yeah. Yeah. I've been I've been kind of lucky that, you know, I've been to a couple of these Florida retro club meetings, both in South Florida and Central Florida. And I have brought some cocoa setups and I've showed off Popstar Pilot and showed off Timberman and stuff like that. And people are seeing that and they're like, wow, I never knew what the color computer could do. So I have been able to help get people interested in wanting to buy the machines. And and then the minute they buy it, guess what? Well, there's the whole secondary market because now that you got your coco well now you need a coco sdc and now you might need a multi-pack and now you need the orchestra 90 card from uh, retro innovations and now you need the switcheroo cables i know a bunch of people you've probably gotten at least three or four orders from florida right for the switcheroo absolutely um, so you know so it's kind of cool you know where like um, you share you share that passion for your machine and other people see it and they're like oh wow yeah this is pretty cool let me grab one right so Hugo DeFort is calling in. Is Hugo calling me? That's interesting. Hugo's calling me. 
Okay. And by the way, Nick, somebody else had corrected me too, right? So, um, and hey, Hugo, welcome to the program. Hey, hi. Uh, is my headset working? Yep. Your headset is working. Wee oui, wee. Oui. Yay. I had to reinstall so, the whole thing. Like, uh, I spent a half an hour reinstalling Skype and everything. It was all messed up on my system. So, sorry to interrupt. <laughs> I'm going no, to. Not a problem. We were just talking about you. Um, now, you are in um, Quebec, right? Uh, yeah, last time I checked. Right, and technically Quebec itself is not its own country, but it is a, what do we call it, a province, province. of Canada province. or some province? Yeah, yeah it's province. like a state, but with a little more uh, political uh, economy. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So it's like a state on steroids inside the country. Yeah, that's pretty much it. Uh, yeah. Okay. And you guys have just also chosen to not speak English for whatever reason. So, uh, well, uh, we're, we're our we own state about politics for a long it's kind of, time. It's kind of like the Cajun <laughs> down in Louisiana, I think. Yeah. We were there first. We were there first. Oh, there uh, you go. Of course, okay. uh, we should all speak uh, native languages, but that's another uh, question. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And I, I also wanted to mention while Jason was talking that um, we were also seeing the cool artwork that Ron Delvaux put together where we have Coco Man, uh, Coco Talk on the Road with Coco Man. This is now two weeks in a row, or two, twice now in the past two or three weeks, where Jason has um, been reporting live from events around the world. Uh, we got to see the Hamvention uh, Mudfest a couple weeks ago, and now we got to see Korg's Con. Um, yeah, I think, uh, I think I would enjoy being at a Korg's Con, so that's kind of cool, and I'm glad you were able to make it, Jason, and, um, and thanks for sharing that for you. So a couple people are correcting me in the live chat, right? Um, yeah, so, it's called uh, a, prov a sorry, province. Where, where, is, where is that, Korg's Con? Uh, sorry, I missed uh, parts of the uh, of the uh, Coco Dog show. So where is that located? Where is Columbus, it? Ohio. Columbus, Ohio. Jason? Columbus. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah, I think we have to give Jason a raise here for all of his roaming around here. So Yeah, yeah, yeah I, I, I want a definite percentage raise. <laughs> yes, it's coming out of the budget, and whatever we paid you last month, add 43% to that. Yeah, we'll give you all the YouTube profit. Plus mileage. <laughs> <laughs> so, people have a reason to go to Columbus now? <laughs> well, Compuster's not there anymore, so yeah. Well, it's the state capital, too, so yeah, but... Uh, yeah. yeah, the uh, may change its name. I have no idea, but it's the Columbus, Ohio Retro Gaming Society. And uh, they should rename yeah. it Cocolumbus. Cocolumbus. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Cool stuff. Cool stuff. All right. Well, next up on the docket, I think Nick uh, Marentes is going to give us a teaser of a project he's working on. And I don't want to, I'll let Nick you know explain it better but i'll just say this we have started to talk about creating multi-voice music right it was brought up on facebook there were some facebook discussions we attempted to have a discussion on our show not sure how effective we were but that's okay we tried we talked about it and the head half the name of this show is the word talk right <laughs> so we we achieved that much we talked <laughs> what you call it blather i don't know <laughs> So we talked about it, but to me, 
I need to see it and I need to hear, especially when we're talking about music, you know, something visual is helpful, but then something audible is even better. Right. So, so Nick will maybe give us a teaser of what he's working on. Cause he's been working hard to add music to his current and future games. Uh, hey, yeah. Steve, nah. Javier joined us also. Javier, where's Javier? Where is Javier? Javier's, oh, the, okay, I'm Javier's here. the, okay, I, I didn't recognize you because your face was inverted. Yeah, it's some and, ugly. Uh, that, <laughs> listen, John, look who you're talking to, right? So, um, welcome, Javier, a friend of ours from the Florida Retro Club and uh, an Apple guy, and we won't hold that against you. Still a nice guy anyways, despite your poor taste in computers. <laughs> hey, hey. <laughs> and I'm running yeah, a 609 card, dude, it's all good. <laughs> yeah. Have you gotten a cocoa yet, Javier? No, I need to. No. Hey, man. you got your cocoa three yet? So you have not got your cocoa three. Well, it's it's on your list though, right? Yeah, somebody's gonna hook me up. Yeah, yeah. I got this cocoa two I got recently. It needs another uh, you know, forty eight K in it, but other than that it's almost good to go. Yeah. And, and for those who are not familiar and sorry Nick, we just cut you <coughs> off. Thanks, that's Curtis. A, that's fine. Or <laughs> no, who I know uh, of uh, Mark. So it was the Apple guy had to remind me that there's another Apple guy on the show, right? So, uh, but yeah. So for those of you who are not familiar with Javier, he does a couple of really cool things. Number one, he's very good at retro brighting, and then number two, he make he converts um, uh, CRTs into flat panels, and he does it in such a cool way that they look just like the original CRT. But um, he takes the guts out. And stuff, and look at these. Those are so clean. It's Can you do that to my today. teeth? I need you to retrobrite my teeth because uh, they could <laughs> use that level of whiteness. So he, he also um, reproduces uh, original package cartons too, and creates uh, new ones. Okay. Oh, neat. So yeah. So Javier does a lot of cool stuff, you know. And uh, oh, look at that. Minor twenty forty nine or oh, so a reproduction of the boxes for the uh, things. Yep. Ah, that's neat. That is very karateka. Oh, how cool is that? That's neat. Captain Right. I think that now, first unfortunately, box was the Australian unfortunately, mo most of this is wasted on Apple products, but it's still <laughs> an incredible talent. It so. could be a cocoa project. <laughs> All right. So cool. Glad to have you on the program, Javier, and feel hey, free to, to to jump in. Notice um, he had a so, to the right, to to his uh, to his left on the wall. Uh, hold on. Did you have a boomerang? Here's a boomerang. Yeah, we have got a couple Australians oh, on yeah, the program. Oh, yeah, I've been in Australia, and I love it. Yeah? Very cool. Okay. Can you do an Aussie so accent better than, better than us? No, no, no. I, I would love to have the, the Aussie accent, but I'm, I'm really bad. <laughs> <laughs> Give it a shot. Come on. So am I. Uh, hello, mate. <laughs> How you doing? <laughs> <laughs> that's all I can remember. That's a, that's right. a New York, Brooklyn Australian. Aussie. <laughs> I love the Aussie accent, man. He's from Brooklyn. I love it. And yeah, Jason's upside yeah. down <laughs> and honoring Australia. So. Thank you. You can see you now. <laughs> <laughs> all right. <laughs> All right, well, we've derailed the train wreck here, but um, how about we get back to Nick Morenti, speaking of Australia. Yeah. Um, okay, so uh, I'll just do a quick uh, presentation. Um, it's uh, I I've shown it before on the show. Uh, it's my um, 
my um, game music creator program. So it's now at a point where it actually plays music. So I'll share a screenshot. Um, so I'll just bring that up. I will attempt to bring that up. And for those who are listening, Nick Marentes is about to share a screenshot. <laughs> <laughs> and then Stevie will describe every pixel so you know exactly what we're looking at. Okay, so can you uh, see that? We can see it. Looking good. Game music nice. composer. And I'll have to share the system sound. So hopefully that's all working. Anyway, that's, I, I won't go into a lot of detail. Um, it's a, a game music uh, composer. I wrote this mainly so that I can create uh, music for my game. So I, I don't know how to read music. I know... I'm a Luddite when it comes to music, and that's why I've never had music in my game. So this is my attempt to learn how the hell to put music together. And <laughs> I will I, I will be um, updating my website this week, uh, explaining it more in more detail. But for today, I'll just quickly bring it up and make it load um, um, some music. Um, I didn't have time to compose any you know, full-length music is just a couple of beats. So I'll just uh, bring that up. So I'll load up a little bit that I put here. So that's it. That's a, just a short beat that I did on the um, piano roll part of the part of the screen. Um, and uh, can my is my cursor appearing? Yeah. Yeah, we see it. Okay, so mm -hmm. up up here is where you put your notes based on the keyboard position. So it's almost as if you play the keyboard. Um, down here, I have a pattern pattern sen uh, section whereby I can define up to seven patterns. In other words, seven of these screen ah, 26, I should say, 26 of these screens. Um of different patterns or sequences or no no it is a pattern up here is the sequencer where I actually enter the pattern um, which I'll do now that was pattern pattern a so I'll put that as the first item in the sequence okay so just refresh the screen and I will also set the envelope well, actually, no, I won't do it just yet. Right now, that's showing a solid tone. So if the program doesn't crash, because there is still a bug in there, you should hear something. Are you sharing system sound? I think so. Can you hear anything? No, not yet. Oh, damn. Just what we need. Okay, hang on. I'll just try. We, we, yeah, we tested this okay, before. And yeah, it we work. did. It should work. Okay, I'll try it again. Now? Ah, oh, damn. Okay, maybe we'll just. Did, did you click on the plus I, to share system sound? I did. Sound yeah, I did. I don't know why it's different today. And are you getting the sound coming through your I, headphones I'm too? I'm hearing through the headphones. Yeah. Um. No, it's not working. Okay, maybe we'll abort this and leave it for next week until we can sort <laughs> out. The hell okay. It's... Uh, you, you could sing okay. it. 
<laughs> uh, by the way, uh, I really, I really look forward to uh, listening to it. I really like the fact that you have actually included the uh, envelope for uh, for your uh, your notes. Uh, it gives yeah, lots yeah. of flexibility on what kind of sounds you can uh, you can uh, generate. So yeah, really well, that's the idea. Yeah. So you've got envelope control over here, or fixed. Um, you've got your tempo control over this here. Is cool. It's a triangle wave. I, I don't know. Oh, uh, no. Well, you can... Uh, it says no, key slope. You can't produce that. Come on. <laughs> well, that's the sort of thing you're... Um, that, that just means the sound comes on instantly and then fades off. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, you can get a sort of a bell-like Like a, like a snare drum, even. Like yeah, hitting something yeah. hard, quick. But you um, obviously can't hear anything. So yeah, next week it hopefully I will I will sort out the sound, and hopefully next week I'll have a full song, um, uh, put together. But yeah, I'll just you, you could try holding your mic up to the speaker if uh, it's not that. coming up out of the speaker. It's coming out of my headphone, which is why I thought it should oh, be okay. um, it should be working. So yeah, don't know. Um, to be continued. But that's the program mm. so far. So the idea is that I, I uh, compose a song, uh, it saves the data, and I can put that into any, any of my games. Um, and that, that music will work on anyone's computer, any Coco 3. So no, no hardware required. Now, okay. it won't be as good as, as proper hardware, of course. Um, and I won't be able to play music <coughs> during the game because it uses um, the CPU, of course, um, heavily to do that. But, you know, on a title screen, I can have a song playing. Um, that, that's, uh, that's about all we can do on the color computer without hardware. Do you have so, a link to your project here? I will do, yeah. It's on my um, blog page, so okay. so I will... Um, I, I'm writing that the next blog um, at the moment, so it should be up later this week, and I'll probably have a, a WAV file that to demonstrate the sound, so to make up for the fact you can't hear anything on my shared screen here. And is that just nickmarentes.com? Uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. That's right. Um, N-I-C-K-M-A-R-E-N-T-E-S.com? Anyway, so, -E -E yeah, that's it. Um, okay. I'll, I'll, I'll make an announcement on uh, the Facebook page for people to, uh, to look at. But, uh, yeah, hopefully I'll be more organized next week. Next week and okay. Just, well, you are, you are organized, but for whatever reason, it's a technical glitch because we did test well, it. Well, we did test it, but uh, like, I don't yeah. know what's happened, and, and now it's not going. Yeah. So, um, yeah, listen, I, I'm, I'm very familiar with having Windows <laughs> not work well. So. Yeah. So I'll unshare the screen now so we can get back to the uh, normal. Uh, okay. Okay. Excellent. Excellent, excellent. All right, and real quick too, I because I haven't been watching this too closely. I have a different program that shows me the chat from my multi-streaming. I believe I said hi to Master Gamer two five five zero in um, Mixer, and then along the way I missed a few other people in Mixer who said hi briefly. So one of them was somebody called U Uless U L three S S said hello, hello to you. 
Another one, uh, Bobby Shanky2285 is not only following me, but he's now hosting me, meaning that he's sharing my stream on his stream on Mixer. So whoever Bobby Shanky2285 is, is actually restreaming <clears throat> my stream on Mixer to whoever his followers are. So thank you for doing that, Bobby Shanky. He said, yo, and yo right back to you. Sorry I didn't see that sooner. Um, and so uh, earlier, Nick Marotta was saying, well, are we talking about the true Donkey Kong on the Coco 3? But back in the day, Donkey King was amazing because when we were talking about Donkey Kong and the, when we were looking at that arcade cabinet, right? So, yeah, what was the answer to the question? Because that Donkey Kong arcade cabinet said um, Australia on it. Yes. If you bring up the and video we'll, and just pause it on that cabinet right at the beginning there, you'll see the uh, read, read the nameplate at the top. And it uh, was, let me go back it, to it. It wasn't Donkey Kong. It was Donkey something else. What the hell? Okay, here's Jason's Korg's Con video. Let me see if I can find it. Uh, NickMarentes.com slash Gunstar. So uh, Mark Overholzer just posted the link to that. I'm just trying to scrub through the video right now to find the Donkey Kong machine. Bear with me for just a second. And then we'll, we'll freeze frame on it. I think it was towards the end, right? No, it was actually pretty close to the beginning. Was it really? Yeah, I think it's the opening pan of the room, and then it jumps right to it. All right, so I'm trying to find it. We are on Coco TV, by the way. Are we on Coco TV now? Yes, we're streaming. Okay, so did Roger? Ha okay, here it is, right here. All right, so um, well, that's good. Hello, Coco TV. Hello, people on Roku. We're glad to finally be there. Um, all right, so let's see if we can find this again. So here's the Donkey Kong machine. And let me scrub back just a little bit. There was something about this machine. Yeah, the top the top glass panel at the top there, if you read what it says. Yeah, there. Okay. Kong it off says, Australia. Now, so somebody might have just changed the marquee on this particular machine. Okay, so what, it's kind of hard to see in the glare, but it says something about something world, Kong off Australia. Um, so that looks like maybe they replaced that top marquee with maybe a custom piece And is that of Remix? I'm looking at the screen there. That's not the normal Donkey Kong screen, is it? Oh, yeah, it's got some breaks in it. So maybe it is Donkey Kong It is. Kong it's remix. a Remix. Yeah. So there's a okay. Coco item at the uh, show. Or yeah, a yeah that's, a, that's a Coco project right there. All right. Very, very cool. Wonder why he's got Australia on there, though. Must have been a championship <laughs> game playing thing, you know. I don't know. Like do I bet you Billy Mitchell wasn't invited. No. <laughs> <laughs> and Maybe of course, now Ken, inverted. Ken says, you know, you've made it when Shanky hosts you. Thank Ken. Thanks, Ken, for all that there. Right. So, um, yeah. So, yeah. So, you know, we were earlier we were talking about just getting the show out there. So I figure if I'm going to multi-stream and we are now multi-streaming to Roku and we're on Roku. So if you've got a Roku device and you want to fire that up, you're going to find the Coco TV channel. I'm not sure how you do that just yet, but find the Coco TV channel and then, um, you know, find us. And so now Ron is watching us on Roku and there we are. We're live. Uh, what does the time say on there versus what time it is? Like, what's the what's the difference in the delay right now? Because I'm showing my real time Couple clock minutes. of being three uh, thirty four and twelve seconds. Oh yeah, because it's still on Donkey Kong. Okay. Uh, uh, if right, you so do it's, a, it's not that far behind. Okay, no. there, there is a Kong off. If you if you do a search in Google, uh, it it does talk about the uh, Kong off. 
it says it's it's a show. It's a Donkey Kong showdown with the company of American arcade legend Richie Knucklers. Um, it, it, if you have a look at the, on on Google, if you can bring it up, uh, Steve, do a search for Kong Off, and you'll find the um, the links on the on the website. All right, hold on one second. There's a link on the Skype chat. Ah. Kong Off Museum and Pinball. No. Official site, thekongoff.com. Uh, well, it's actually www.netherworldarcade.com. Okay, this one just went to a website called The Kong Off 6. So this must be an event? Like yeah, a con- it's an, it's a an event. A Donkey Kong competition? Yeah. Okay, what we're banning CA is is that must Canada? Have been an official machine, California. Oh, California. Now, um, all right. So, what was the other one called? Uh, the Kongoff dot com. It's in the, the Skype chat. Yeah, I put, I put okay. it in the Skype chat there, Steve. All right, hold on just a second. Let me find that. It must be good though. They have stormtroopers. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so this is the netherworlds.com slash Kong-off. So, kong So these are the different um, uh, marquees for the machine, right? So we're pl- pretty bloody stoked to host Australia's first ever Kong-off. So a Kong-off must be an event that yeah. travels, like a Donkey Kong competition, and there's the one coming to Australia, huh? Must be. Uh, okay. Players anyway. flew in from Australia New Zealand, it says, to take part. Oh, look at that. Yeah, look at all the machines in the background there. That is pretty cool. Get your Kong on. Get your Kong <laughs> on. Get your Kong on at the Kong off, right? There's Billy Mitchell. Set the Donkey Kong high score in 1982. This was recognized as the top score for 25 years. Steve Weeby's challenge of this score is the subject of the 2000 film King of Kong. The original Donkey Kong is the grandfather of the modern-day Donkey Kong. He now goes by Cranky Kong. D. Hmm. Kong appeared in nearly 100 titles. Wow, interesting facts here. Original DK was the first game to feature Mario, who was, at the time, was called Jumpman. That's true. It's on yep. the actual um, screen, on the um, the little printouts. It says, help Jumpman save his girlfriend. Like, she didn't even have a name yet either. Or was she, she called something else. So Mario was originally a carpenter until his release of Super Mario Brothers, who he's now recognized as a plumber. The princess in the original Donkey Kong is not Peach, but instead Mario's original girlfriend, Pauline, right? So, interesting Donkey Kong facts, right? And if you think about it, um, <clears throat> how many things have come because of Donkey Kong, right? So, there's so many Mario games, and there's so many Donkey Kong spin-offs that Nintendo has made for its various consoles over the past 30 years. Um, the um, obviously you know. the NES the NES had a version that was pretty close to the arcade. Um, then now, there was Donkey Kong of Country knockoffs. Yeah, yeah. This looks like a fun event, right? So just a bunch of people having playing fun. Donkey Kong. Yeah, having fun. I think we need to send Coco Man down there. Yeah, send Coco <laughs> Man. Well, we got some we got some Australians who are closer. Maybe we can get Brian or Nick to go over there, correspond. <laughs> Just, uh, just just submit a uh, travel requisition to the accounting department and uh, get that approved and get all your paperwork and expense forms submitted and uh, we'll get that taken care of for and you. And we'll forward the YouTube profits for one month to help cover the costs. So. Yeah. Jim Gary has joined us, by the way. 
Hey, Jim Gary. Jim Gary says, good day. Jim Hello. Gary says they should play mine. Uh, Pauline shows up in Super Mario Odyssey as the mayor of New York, of New Donk City. Oh, okay. Oh, so Jim Gary says he's got a basic version of Donkey Kong that we, sh- we should play. Um, if you guys aren't familiar with Jim Gary, Jim Gary is probably one of the only people making a plethora of software for the MC-10, right? And MC-10 gets a lot of love on this show, too, by the way. So um, <laughs> It's our favorite system uh, by far. Yes, it is. Uh, yeah, cool stuff. Cool stuff. So Kong Off is an event. It's kind of like uh, yeah, King Kong, uh, Donkey Kong competition, huh? Very cool stuff. All right, Nick. Well, we appreciate you showing us what you showed us, and we we look forward to seeing more and hearing more. So make sure you guys check out Nick's blog, and hopefully by next week, we'll have more there. Um, we're gonna run a quick commercial, and then we'll come back and we'll talk about more stuff. So you guys, think about something to talk about in the next oh, minute. Oh, Steve. Or so, all right. We got a yeah. uh, got a request from uh, D. Bruce Moore. He says, uh, "Play uh, Coco Forever Teaser Three if you can." All right, well, we'll lead off with Coco Forever Teaser 3, and then we'll play some commercials, and we'll be right back. Here you go. How does it feel? I'm still What if you could go back in time to just the right moment and ensure that Tandy won? You definitely earned this office. Thank you. Yes, you're too kind. Oh, I'm much happier breaking stuff. Life has been a dream. (laughs) But what if you went back to the wrong moment? Give me that. How do you even know what that was? Listen, I don't really care about these blueprints. I just want... Say, who are you? You want to spy for Commodore or something, are you? Just move! Hey, hey, hold the elevator! Hold the up! Stop right there! Whoa, whoa, no need for guns, no need for guns! So, Mr. Anders, it seems you have stumbled upon my little secret. There is no point in waiting for security. I think you are about to have an accident. Okay, no, 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 no! Coco, forever? Another fine product from Canada. Spring-ish 2018. (laughs) And how long do we have before we run out of spring? (laughs) You gotta love that. Hi, I'm Kieran Anscombe, author of XRAW, and your brain is resolving sensory input into Cocoa Talk. We will return after these messages. Hi, I'm Mike Rowan, and you're watching the original gamer, Stevie Stroh. And when you're done watching, come over and listen to the Cocoa Crew podcast. 
Hi, this is John Linville and Neil Blanchard. We are the Coco Crew. I hope you're enjoying watching Stevie Strobe play video games, especially the Coco games. And when you're done with that, check out our podcast at CocoCrew.org. It's a Radio Shack Merry Christmas. This year, I needed to give a real family pleaser. Honey, please help me with this project. How about a new game, Dad? There's the train. And I found it. Radio Shack's Color Computer 2. On sale for just $99.95. It entertains, educates, manages. It's expandable and affordable. Now that really pleases me. The Color Computer 2. Sale price for Christmas. Only at Radio Shack. All right, well, we're back. Uh, thanks, everybody. And there we go. We got the uh, we got the Coco Forever clip in there. Thank you, Grant Leedy. Um, and as you know, when Grant's on the show, the uh, viewership goes up. So, Grant, are you live, or is your video frozen right now? I am here. It's like my uh, video. Oh, is that just a thumbnail, or is that... Um... No, it's like I might have froze myself. Hmm. <laughs> There you go. Okay, you just turned off your video. I'll try to get there. There you go. Got, you got your, there's your propeller hat. So we got that going. <laughs> we got. Um, so Javier, uh, usually when we're at the beginning of the show, we ask people to tell us what they've been doing this week. Like, you know, what are your project updates? Have you gotten any new acquisitions? Things like that. So, has anything new and exciting been going on with you that you want to share with us? Um, yeah, I got a bunch of things going actually. I got um, this baby. <sighs> From Europe, this is a normal LG. Uh huh. But the cool thing about it is that you got a SCART with a light. You see that connector over there? You got SCART, you got VGA, you got composite. Yeah. So that's what I got. I I got this one from uh, Europe, a friend from Spain. He just bought it for me and and sent it to me. So I'm going to be using it with my GS. Okay. <clears throat> then I got a bunch of uh, a couple of uh, non-working Apple II Cs, but the good thing is that I got a surprising one of them. What is that's that? That's, that's, a, me- that's a, a memory mega RAM ZRAM Ultra Two. Applied okay. engineering. That, that's a good news, but the bad news is it came with a battery, and actually the battery destroyed part of it. So mm. I have to be re- to, to repair this guy. Mm. Okay. It's a lot of. Those um, care of some of the things, but this is a very good thing. It, it, it goes on top of the of the processor and the MMU. Okay. And then you just put the processor MMU on top of it, and it's an ah yeah. It's a, a memory card basically. That's kind of like Jim Brain's doing one for the Coco now. Yeah. Uh, yep. Coco Mem and Coco yep. Mem Junior. Exactly. Right? Yeah. And so. some of this, uh, they used to also have a, a Z80 chip, so it was also CPM. This doesn't, but wow, same thing. So it's it's uh, one of the the new things that I got. So I got I got a surprise. Neat, neat. Yeah, I got when I was in Cocoa Fest, I got an Apple II C. Yeah, and it came with a green screen composite monitor. And I think Grant, you're still holding on to that for me, right? <coughs> yeah, yeah, I still have it. I think unless unless he hasn't <laughs> sold it on eBay. So <laughs> so so technically, I'm now an Apple owner too, even though I haven't seen it since April. But uh, I'm planning on going up to VCF Midwest in September, and that's where I'll grab it from Grant. Um, I also purchased a Tandy 1000 from somebody in Chicago area with a monitor. It's a, it was a good deal. It was a good system. So it's a Tandy 1000 with a color 
uh, RGB Tandy display. It's got a built-in hard drive, 20 megabyte hard drive, 640K RAM upgrade, um, all the manuals, DeskMate, all the floppies. So it was a nice Tandy 1000 system that I've been wanting for a long time at a, a good price. And so uh, Hugo has to go. Earlier, Rick Adams had to drop off. Thanks, Rick, for being here. Uh, thanks for stopping by, Hugo, from the country of Quebec, um, one of those foreign lands. So, yeah, I got that Tandy 1000, which I'm looking to pick up and have and play with. So that's kind of cool. Uh, so you got some new Apple stuff. What else going on? Anything, any other projects you're working on? Um, I'm working. I cannot show them right now, but I'm working on um, recreating some boxes I okay. I don't recreate just any box. I just recreate what I what I like and I, what I know that I cannot get, you know, buy new. So uh, I just found out that there was this company called Microfun that they did a minor twenty forty niner. Yeah, mm-hmm. and uh, the highest um, two or three more. And the problem is for Apple too. At least they're not very easy to get. And when you get the boxes, they're in a very bad shape, and also they want a lot of money from it. You know, there was this sure. um, short circuit game that was selling for three fifty, four hundred dollars the box. Wow! And this is, you know, I mean, as much as I like it, it's too much money, at least for me, man. You know, to to get that, and I just want to have it, you know, to show it. So what I do is I, I go online and, and research, and sometimes I get somebody that has it to do a scam for me. And then mm-hmm. I recreate them. Um, you know, I'm pretty good at, at graphic design, so I, I redo everything in high resolution. And I got a printer that actually prints for me um, prototypes. They do prototypes for, you know, for uh, when, when you're in a design company and you create a box for, for some company, you got to do something to show how it's going to look. Sure. They specialize sure. in, in make, making prototypes of, of boxes. Okay. So they're expensive. But they look, and they are, you know, almost the same thing. They're just brand new. Are they local, or are they? Are they They're local in Miami. Out? Yep. Okay. And that's uh, a, speaking of foreign countries. <laughs> no, no, I, I would prefer to do it in, in foreign countries. You know why? Because there's a lot of printers, and I don't blame them. But you know, it, it's kind of annoying that they say, "Oh no, I won't do it because it has the Apple logo in there," and you yeah, know, you gotta then... show me a, a permission that you can print it. I'm like, dude, this is a, a prototype. This is not going to yeah. be anywhere. I'm not asking you for a thousand to sell. I just need yeah. one. Yeah. And people don't want to do that. So, so I, I found that, that these guys are very cool, and they're like they don't care. You know, it's only prototype, so they know that I'm not going to resell anything. Then I got yeah. some slack from people. You know, some some stuff from people in the group that say, "Oh, you should put something in there that it's a, a copy." And I said, "Listen, right. if if I if I get it first of all, I get it for myself. Yeah. If I do two yeah. or three. I'm not going to sell them on eBay. And if I sell them on eBay, but I, I'm not going to do it, if somebody you're gonna, gets you're gonna it, specify. I don't find out that they realize it's a brand new box and it smells brand new and everything yeah. is beautiful. And, you know? Yeah, yeah. You would disclose that. You would say that this is a reproduction case. Right. <coughs> yeah. Which is the right thing to do. Right. And I think if somebody just wants it, then that's okay. Right. Now, we ha- we have a similar project in um, in the Coco community where we have um, Tim Lindner reproduce the program pack case for the Coco, right? And I don't know if you've seen those. I've brought them to some of the meetings, but I'll hold them up for everybody to see too. So, But we have a reproduction of that, and it's pretty cool. So let me grab one of those real quick. Hey Javier, do you have any uh, just just graphic uh, for the alien downpour box you made? I, I 
I did it on, on the screen, but I don't have it. Let me fire up my computer now. I'll just point it to the computer. Uh, Alien Downpour is a brand new game that was written last year by a guy in Colorado, Michael Packard. And so uh, Javier right. actually made a box for it. Oh, nice. So this is a reproduction of the original Tandy um, silver box. This is Now, this is one John Strong did for his game, Bomb Squad, that was released in 2016. Now, John went a little bit further and had his customized to say a Strongware game. But they're the generic ones. Are, now, this is, the, this is basically you can buy them either unfolded and you have to assemble them yourselves or you can pay to have them assembled for you. But it's just a very long piece that's all been die cut. But the way, they, the way Tim made it is um, you know, they had to find the original fonts and all that kind of stuff. He made it of a better quality material. He had it professionally like die cut or laser cut. It's all been creased and everything else. So so what we have here is one that actually looks exactly like a brand new one, but it's actually a little bit more better quality. It's a little bit more sturdier the way it folds and the flaps are done. So this is a project that we've had for a couple of years now. And Tim Lindner, who actually does work in a professional printing type place, he did this. And so John Strong went as far as then even shrink wrapping his games and putting a little hanging tab on here where it looks like it's hanging in the store hey thomas sorison has joined us hey Tommen. and then um john linville has taken that same box and had it produced in red for his products and so so um the original one has the the window opening and that's the way radio shack did it was like the manual inserted in front of the cutout and that became like the front artwork of the box and you could pull the manual out and on the side there was a cutout that had the label of the game. So that's the way Tandy did it, right? There were uh, cutouts generic. where you could, see, you could see the cartridge and then you could see the manual, but the box itself was generic. So John Linville took that same design and had those produced for himself in just a simple red box. It doesn't have a cutout for a manual because he opted to put a label on his, but he does have the cutout to show the cartridge. Right, and so this is bomb threat that Rick Adams was on the show a little while ago. This is a new cartridge that we have, and we also have the injection molded cartridges that are brand new, new stock injection molded cartridges. So our new brew games wow. are, you know, the the packaging is pretty good. What do we got there? So here is Brian Joyce holding up Temple of Rom. Right, that was wow. this is an original one, that's right? So original that's, one, yeah, yeah, that's, that's original, the original yeah. one, in in good shape too. Yeah, very good. So. So another Rick it, Adams it is, game. Yeah, another Rick Adams game. So it is actually nice to have somebody who can recreate that for somebody who wants to keep it on a shelf, right? I don't yeah. see any harm in doing that. I don't think that's a sin. That's, there's no crime being committed. We're not violating copyrights exactly. here. We're just We're reproducing something. But I, I get a lot of, of, of uh, you know, things about some people that they think I'm going to be, they're going to go out on the, on the wild and I'm going to be, you know, the, the, the guy that's going to, Living outside, but you know, so uh, I get here. I got. I can show you. Hey, Javier, you should just have them printed on the inside where you can't see it. You know, reproduction. You know, so if you ever look at the inside of it, you'll see. Well, yeah, that's that's what I got. This is this is a, an original load runner. Oh, sorry about it. I got a. All right. Yeah. So this okay, is original. I recognize that box. Yeah. It's a box original. Good shape. And this is my reproduction. Nice. So they're exactly the same. They look exactly the same. Uh -huh. Same size and everything. If I yeah. Next to each other. Yeah. The only thing is that mine, the, maybe the color is a little bit lighter because it's, um, or no, actually, you know, th this one used to be white, and with okay. time it's becoming like tan. 
and I thought it yeah, it's 10, faded. so I made it 10. Okay, so, so when you scanned it, you scanned it with the aging in there, too. Right, right, and I didn't knew it because I never knew it. I get this one after the fact that I make my, my box. But yeah. You can see my box is, you know, beautiful, but it's brand new. Yeah, yeah. And I also re reproduced the, the labels. Well, no, this is an original. I must have it somewhere else. But I reproduced the labels and the, and the, and the paper also, the paper for the disc. And what uh, Mark is talking about is this, this uh, called Alien Downpour. Uh, alien Downpour. Downpour. And you see, this is the box that I just designed for it. It doesn't okay. look very well, but you know. That looks really good. And this is this. I, I did the little uh, graphic myself because I, I don't know anybody that can draw that for me, so I just did it myself. Okay, now that's the one. Didn't he release this on a cassette in a yep. Ziploc bag? Right here. Yeah. yeah, I remember seeing that one. Oh, Mark's holding that one up. Hold on, Mark. Yeah, I remember seeing that on uh, on one of the Apple II groups that I follow. I, I follow a handful of retro groups, even though I don't have the systems. I just kind of observe what's going on. But yeah, I thought that was a neat idea that it's being distributed on a Ziploc bag with a floppy and a cassette, um, the the way we used to do it, you know? And unfortunately, to, to recreate these boxes is expensive. So yeah, people won't pay those, and I understand. That's what I'm telling them, you know? You don't want to do this, and no, he, he cannot buy 10,000 uh, or whatever. He cannot buy a lot of boxes to, to yeah. justify it. So, And if you buy it one by one, it costs you around 35 bucks to, to do each one. So, so. yeah, so, so I, I, have, I have a similar idea what I want to do for my Cosmic Aliens game. So I'll show you what I just did, and I'm going to probably want to do some labels. But I found on, on Amazon, I've got brand new stock five and a quarter inch floppies these are all brand new floppy disks and mm -hmm. they it was like 10 for ten dollars so it's not terribly cheap but it's not super expensive yep. um they've got like generic labels that came with them yeah um, but i'm gonna probably print something and you can also get like brand new three and a half inch for this is shrink wrapped <laughs> box of three and a half inch floppies yeah. right so um, so yeah, and so I'm thinking about re-releasing my Cosmic Aliens game for the Tandy 1000 on a five and a quarter inch floppy and having a label printed up and having maybe a Ziploc bag or something for it. Yep. Um, so I was, I was thinking about doing something like that. And so right now my challenge is finding a way to get something on a five and a quarter inch floppy because I don't have any systems that are oh. PC compatible with a five and a quarter inch floppy. So I'm trying to figure out a creative way to read and write to these discs. And I think we, we had this discussion on Facebook. I think I can actually use one of my Cocoa floppies with a 34 pin cable connected to like a Windows 98 PC. And I believe it's a 40 track floppy that I could probably use on a PC. I haven't tried it yet, but I bought the cable. Yeah, if it's so a 40 track double sided, time, it'll work fine on the PC. Yeah, so I'm thinking I can use one of my Cocoa floppies as a PC floppy connected to a Windows 98 PC and use it that way. Uh, you know, what do you got there? Micro all, fun, yeah. You can do, you know, this is this is uh, this is just reproduced, but it, it's exactly the same as the original one. They they did it wide. Yeah, and I also found yeah. uh, um, uh, gold that you can cut okay. it out. Oh, that's kind of cool. Yeah, gold ones, and this is actually a piece of paper that I printed. And then you just cut it. There's online you can find the the, the te template for the for oh the, the template to make a floppy sleeve right for the sleeve. So you just put it you know yeah. tape over here and yeah and yeah. it works. So that's kind of cool. Yeah. So it's kind of neat to um it's kind of neat to be able to reproduce a period correct 
package for software. And I know Nick Marentes, when he was doing Popstar Pilot, he had a limited run on floppy disks too. But I think Nick ran into a problem finding new stock. Um, circuit? Yeah, micro right. this is short circuit. This is short one circuit, that I showed yeah. you. It cost uh, $350 a box. Wow. So, and this is a, this is a label that I created. And okay. And this is a label also. So, wow. A yeah, lot of attention to this detail. This is accurate. Actually, if I, I, I wanted to sell it on eBay, it could pass as an original. But of course, I'm, right, uh, this right. is the only one that I have it, so. Yeah. Right, okay. but and you're a person who has en enough moral value to not and, want to pass it off. And my files and, are and not school. moving from my computer. I, I don't share files. I'm not putting them online. This is mine yeah. for myself. <laughs> and I just yeah. like to show it, but I, I'm not going to give it away or anything. Even and even at thirty-five bucks to, for you to do the box there, I mean, compared to the three to four hundred, like you said, are on eBay for some of these here, that's still way cheaper. It's a way cheap, but it's still it's it's if you think about it, it's just a stupid box. Thirty-five bucks for the, for a box is not is not that's not no, cheap. I just do it because I, I I like it, and you know I I got the nostalgia, but yeah, you know? yeah. So it's a labor of love. I mean, part of it is you're, you're going through a big creative process to lay out and design the artwork. I recreate everything. I retype yeah. all the text, and I retake yeah. screenshots and, and put them again in high resolution so they, they print nice. Ah, so they if there's a screenshot them. on the box, it's cleaner. I create recreate almost everything. If not, that's impressive. You're you're a very you're a multi talented guy. Thank you. No, I, I just live a lot because honestly, they they wouldn't be able to pay me for the my time and you know the the cost of this. I just did it for myself. But that also, I don't give it away. I just show right. stuff and people ask me for yeah. them. But you know, no. Now, is the alien downpour one you're doing? Is that meant for commercial release or is that strictly for yourself as well? I did it for myself. I actually uh, offered the guy to design it for him, but he was a little bit. You know the the owner, the, the the author. I told him I'll design something for you. He said, "No, I, I'm going to do it myself." So he did it himself, and I just say, "You know what? I'm just going to do a box for myself, like I did." But I showed it to mm -hmm. everybody, and now everybody wants a copy. But because this is not a copyright thing, I'll I'll give it away. I don't have a problem with it. Okay. Okay. The file. I mean, I'm not. I'm not going to print boxes for free. <laughs> You're not going to give away thirty-five dollar right. boxes for free. Yeah. <laughs> right. No, that's pretty cool. Now was the was the author was he amenable was he okay with you making this box did he like yeah, it when he, he saw it okay. he he wanted to do everything himself but when he saw the oh, box and, and this yeah. you know hey I, I'm not charging you for this I'm just doing it for you yeah so let me ask you this is is there because you're saying like the company who does the prototypes and I understand if you're doing a one off that the cost is higher but are there if we wanted to get some numbers produced uh, and you wanted to get a run of 25 boxes that were not copywritten is there a place that would produce it cheaper than $35 a box like no. could you get it down to a couple dollars per box you get it down to a couple of dollars when you go beyond the thousands ah right and unfortunately so the 50 or, it's, or, or 25,000 even on a big system like the Atari or Apple, I would think a thousand is a big target to try to hit for sales, right? That's what I say. Yeah, that's why they they won't do yeah. it. Yeah, they just laugh at you when you ask for it. That's yeah, why they do yeah, like maybe a hundred or something. Right. Because yeah. it's not only the, the the printing, but it's also the cutting of the boxes. They cut yeah, it. Yeah. Scoring and cutting and the whole bit. Yeah. 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 Interesting. Interesting. But if if you use DVD cases, uh, like I did with Popstar Pilot, that's uh, that's quite a well, reasonably pr professional package, and it costs sure. Oh yeah, very what, little. What we were talking about is we should find a, a pre-done box, a white box that they sell for cents, in, yeah, in white, <coughs> and then we can print out a, a hundred uh, colored labels, and we just slap it to the boxes. 
Just stick it on the box, right? Yeah, from, from the back. Yeah, because la yeah. labels would be cheap. Yeah. Uh, one of the one of the things my company did uh, for Amiga software is we actually had a standard box that we used, and then we we had some of the stuff that we actually did labels because it was too expensive to do individual ones for every product. Yeah. Yeah. So that's the yeah. labels. Right, and that's kind of what John Linville did with his packaging for retro tinker stuff. Yeah. <laughs> was that yeah, there's bomb thread on a CD package too? Yes, yeah, so there's 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 companies that will do that. Like my DVDs, when I when I get a DVD produced, all I do is I upload a digital file of the of the disc, and I send them the artwork, and they produce the package because it's a standard format. Correct. And a DVD and DVD packaging is and common and cheap. it's yeah. able to be mass produced. Yeah, you don't need custom yeah. dies or anything yeah. else to. Yeah. Think, yeah. So. yeah. So, um, but yeah, I like the period correct box. I like it when you can, even a Ziploc bag is period correct. Like one of the things I bought a few years ago was Neil Blanchard of the Coco Crew reproduced Plateau of the Pass, which was a Coco game. Yeah. But again, the uh, higher quality binding of the thing, but still in a Ziploc bag with a floppy and still having the copy protection on the floppy and stuff. So it's kind of cool. It's it's a neat thing to do. It's like if you're going to be retro. Oh, hers, hold on, let me hold up. Curtis has got one right there. Yeah. Um, yeah. Right. If, if you're wow. going to go retro, go yep. all the way. You go know? all the way. Exactly. Uh, nice. Col Colorware used a... Uh, a colored envelope, similar to a manila envelope, but it was just large enough to hold a floppy. And it said colorware on the package, and there was a window, and they had an insert for each game they had. And that was, okay. their, that was their packaging. I've got so, a couple of their games, and that's what those were. So that was kind of like basically a template, like the Tandy uh, game cartridge box, right? Yeah, uh, same just, type of thing. Yeah, so that's a neat idea. Uh, somebody on uh, Mixer called Tandem Boy is now following. So welcome to Coco Talk. So yeah, we're getting some random people popping in uh, through the various forms of uh, streaming. Um, no, that's cool. That's neat, Javier. Thanks for sharing that stuff with nice us. Sir. That's really cool that you do those things and you know how to do them. And uh, the quality, the quality level is there, right? Yeah. So it's nice to see people cranking out high quality content like Nick Morenti's with his games he's doing commercial quality games and Brian Joyce of Extructus Productions doing really good quality content for us um, you know so it's neat um, when Bruce Moore with his Forest of Doom and all of his commercials promoting what he's doing you know it's it's if you put that much you know kind of sweat and tears into it it just shows that you're passionate about what you're doing and I think hopefully people appreciate that at the end of the day you know yeah, yeah, I agree, and, and I like it. I, I do it for myself. I can say I like to show that you know. Again, I don't like the 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 things that people think I'm gonna be making money out of it. It costs me so yeah. much that I would charge what four hundred dollars for each. And yeah, it's not worth yeah. It, you know. Yeah, listen, you can't uh, you can't can, you can't control somebody else's uh, yeah brain. Hey, Simon Jonasson, the Madman, has joined us. Um, <laughs> We, we showed off the pictures of your Commodore devoured by ants uh, a week or so ago, Simon. So, uh, how, how is life after recovering from an ant-consumed uh, Commodore system? Yeah, well, ants kept crawling out of it for three days. Yeah? They were wow. under, under the chips and under the keyboard and stuff like that, and it, it smells funny. What? <laughs> 
what what do ants smell like? <laughs> uh, well, no, actually, it smells very, very funny. Wow. Maybe you need to have the smoke come out of it. Yeah, yeah. Release the magic smoke, right? So, yeah, that was a pretty buggy um, Commodore 64 you had there. Yeah. Yeah, puff the magic dragon, eh? <laughs> what, 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 what did you do to get them out? Did you, like, take it outside and just, like, hang it upside down and smack on it to get them all to fall out of it? How do you actually remove thousands of ants from a retro oh, machine? It's a, it's a C64C, so it, the case is not actually... The case isn't actually um, screwed together. It's just, like pop together so you can pop it apart okay i, I shook it and I, I got um i got a compressor in the garage with uh, an air gun on it ah air compressor okay yeah and i just like blew them all out and blow those ants ants everywhere and uh, as soon as it's got like an rf shield across the top of it you know it's like a piece of cardboard with with like aluminium on top of it Pulled that back, and the whole motherboard was covered in ants. I was like, oh, shit. Oh, wow. Here we go again. Is aluminum, is that anything like what we call aluminum here in the States? So. Yeah. No, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> come on. Come on. Aluminium. Aluminium. <laughs> Indubitably. <laughs> yeah, we pulled up those pictures. That was That was something. Yeah, and all those yeah. ants. That's like a nightmare. It's like you see a scene in a movie where somebody wakes up, or like an Indiana Jones, where they're walking through the thousands of cockroaches or something. Yeah, you know, it, was, it was like alien bur- bursting out of your chest. That's what it kind of felt like. <laughs> to me. I was totally mad because um, uh, we had like a bit of an ant infestation in the front room um, under the television, and it's like, well, okay, these ants are crawling about, and okay, we hoover them up and whatever, and they just kept coming. I'm thinking mm, maybe I should move the Commodore. It's under like underneath the TV stand. It was on the floor underneath the TV stand. Mm. Uh, we've got hardwood floors that go onto a um, a crawl space, you know, under the floor. Okay. Um, and, and as soon as I moved the Commodore, I was like, oh shit! I know where all these ants <laughs> come from. Outside. They were crawling Coming in the, the crawl Commodore. space. Now, did you did you ever think that this was karma uh, coming back for doing self-modifying code? No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no. Anybody? Anybody no. secretly? Anybody <laughs> secretly wishing to get back at you? <laughs> was it like a Stack Overflow pick with ants? Steve Bjork is out there with a voodoo doll that he's putting on an ant hill. <laughs> instead of poking pins in it, he pokes ants into Simon's head or something like that. Hey. Uh, hello to Thomas Sorensen and also Dave uh, Phillipson just joined us too. Dave says, better late than never. <laughs> Hi, guys. Yeah. Yeah, we're two hours into the show, and I'm not bored of being here, so we're still having fun, so we'll keep it going. <laughs> I'm sure Jim Brain's not really happy that we're still on the air, but, you know, you can't I think he already fell asleep, so we're, we're good. Oh, did he? Okay. <laughs> Excellent. Excellent. Very cool stuff. Um, hey, I got so, Uh-oh. Rondello. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This is uh, my uh, dragon. And um, did you know that if you take your dragon and you plug them in with these um, ROM packs here, you can actually have software for your dragon. So the Cocoa cartridges run on the dragon. They work. They run, but uh, there are some differences that may pop up on a few games. Yeah, the keyboard ones, I think. Yeah, any of the ones that call the 
r ROM keyboard routine should mm -hmm. work, but the others you may have to find what the keys are mapped to. <laughs> yeah, if they're trying to directly read the PIAs for the keyboard rather than using the ROM, you'll because it, it has it does have a different uh, keyboard layout. Okay, uh, at least hardware wise. Yeah, you had to. <laughs> play around trying to find the keyboard hey keep, keep it on Dragonfire for just a second here go 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 back to Dragonfire for just a second so here here's the thing and now this this number one i think this is pretty cool because you're playing Dragonfire on a dragon right <laughs> so let's just just let that soak in for just a minute now now, now turn it on fire if you set your dragon on fire <laughs> while you're playing Dragonfire, now that would be that's commitment um only do that well, with ants in it though <laughs> Let's talk about Dragonfire for just a second. Well, the, the, the interesting thing about Dragonfire, as we can see here, they've done something very cool where they're actually showing the two different color modes on the same screen at the same time. So the red, green, and blue you see in the center of the screen that says Dragonfire, that's one of the four color modes, but they've also got the higher color mode that's got the buff white color and the cyan color and, and then the dark blue. And there's yellow. So there's more than four colors on the screen, and there's some incredible scan line changing of stuff. Multiple a lot times of work per had, scan line, like that's yeah, unique. like f like f what, five thousand times per second or something insane like that. It's just <laughs> an insane amount of. So on on a technical side, it's really cool they did that because it it would be cool if the cocoa if all games in the cocoa could be this colorful. Ironically, the color computer lacked color, at least in the cocoa one and two. Now once you get past that. This game is sucks balls, right? Because this is the same. It's the same game on the twenty six hundred. I played that version. Episode, Stevie. I, I played. I, I played the ColecoVision version that's got sixteen colors. It's a shitty game. It really sucks. You just you you do two things. You run left and right. You dodge fireballs, and then you run around in a circle and you grab treasures and rinse, lather, and repeat. So it, as far as games go. It's got no replay value, um, <laughs> but it's on the Coco. Hey, at a least cool it's a game you can get did. past level one on. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right. So um, it was so hyped back in the day. Yeah, for for the, the but we're hyping the fact that it was more the, so technically though. it was cool, but as far as the game goes, I mean, yeah, were, were the graphics better than the twenty six hundred version? Sure, is the gameplay. You know, uh, whatever. All right, so there's a dragon picture. Is that, on, is that a dragon yeah. artwork on a Coco? Yep. That's a dragon PMP. on a Coco. There you go. And you're running Coco cartridges on a dragon, so that's kind of cool. Um, I mean, it is essentially the same machine, other than the basic ROM is different, so there are some subtle differences, right? Yep. Now, um, you have the U.S. version of the dragon, right? The Tano dragon? Tano, yes. So I would imagine if we ran that Dragonfire on a PAL that ran at 50 hertz, that color timing might not keep the the multi multi colors on screen, or would it no, still work? No, it doesn't work. It doesn't work. It doesn't work on Coco Three either. It does. It does. Um, the only difference is the amount of scan lines. You still got 57 cycles per scan line, and it's time per scan line. But you've got 312 scan lines instead of 262. Ah. So you've got so, to pad out 50 scan lines, but the dragons are funny beasts, um, especially the Dragon 64, because the Dragon 64, um, normally you have 
normally you have uh, an age sink per scan line uh, and you'd have that for the whole 262 NTSC lines or the whole 312 power lines but um, the Dragon 32 you've got it for the whole 312 power scan lines but the Dragon 64 has got like okay we'll do 262 and then we'll just insert a pause so that's mm. it's a very funky beast so if you're trying to do music and stuff with H-Sync IRQs it sounds like a well yeah I'm not even going to say it hey we've just been joined by Roger Taylor he's in the hey. live chat as Coco Tower hey, hey. So, Roger. Roger are we still on Roku Roger and yep. uh, we, we definitely want to thank Roger Taylor for working his magic to give us a way to simulcast. So we're now streaming live simultaneously on YouTube and on uh, Coco TV on Roku, not to mention on Mixer and Twitch and a few other places. So, yeah. And so thank you, Roger, for, for making that happen for us. And um, I know maybe we got a little glitch getting it started, but I'm sure as we go through this, it'll get smoother. And we'll refine the process. It's all kind of new in the work in progress to make this work. But the fact that we have Roger who is dedicating his time to do it, it's always appreciated. The fact that we can be seen in more places and hopefully more people will find out about our show. And our show is about the Coco. And more people find out about the Coco and join our community. And everybody wins, you know. Plus we'll hand out pamphlets. For more hours, right? We're on for three more hours, yeah. Uh, speaking of printing, speaking of printing, is anybody able to create pamphlets for it as we walk around and spread the word of the cocoa? Um, so, Javier, you said you got something else you want to talk about? Unmute. You're muted, Javier. Uh, well, you're still muted. I see your string, but I can't hear you. Testy is one, two, three. Can you hear me? Can you hear me? No? I can hear you. Yes, yes, yes. You I can now. hear you now. Yes. So did you say you had something else you wanted to talk about? Just quickly, I want to show you my... All right, well, this, so if the answer is yes, hold that thought. I'm going to run a commercial and we'll come back. All right? So, but you do... Okay, so that, that was it a Darth Vader apple there? Yep. All right, well, <laughs> stay, stay tuned, boys and girls. We're going to run a commercial. We'll be back and Javier is going to show us something else. Cool stuff. Hi, this is Randy Kindig of the Floppy Days Podcast. I just love me some cocoa, and nobody covers it better than Steve Strobridge. And you're listening to Cocoa Talk. <laughs> After these messages, everybody. The original gamer Stevie Stroh here, and I want to talk to you about Amacoconut.com. If you love the color computer like I love the color computer, then you got to visit Amacoconut.com, your one-stop shop for all of your Tandy color computer links needs. There you'll find links to blogs and podcasts and project sites and emulators and downloads and groups and communities. If you love the color computer, head on over to Amacoconut.com. That's I-M-A. Coconut.com. Tell them the original gamer Stevie Stroh sent you. Trains not included. people. Audio's a little off on that. What's going on, everybody? Stevie Stroh. And I want to say thank you for continuing to watch and listen to Coco Talk. We love doing this show. We think we put together a pretty good show for you. But this show could be better with your help. So if you would like to send a feedback, a comment, a suggestion, a show topic, or maybe even your own little segment or bumper, then send it to us via email to cocotalk at cocotalk.live. This show would be nothing without you. 
Love to hear from you. Some people have big plans after school. You know what Elliot's going to do? Jeff, too. Elliot's at work on a book report using Scripsit on Radio Shack's Color Computer 3. It hooks up to his TV. And Jeff's at his Radio Shack Color Computer 3 playing the newest football game. Joysticks sold separately. What's Elliot doing playing new Super Pitfall? And Jeff's having a blast with a new math tutor. You never know what you might try with more than 100 programs for fun and learning. Radio Shack's Color Computer 3 comes with everything you see here. Other items each sold separately. Only at Radio Shack. James, and, uh, I think you failed to miss it. This whole show's a little off. <laughs> <laughs> this show's been yeah. off before it started. Yeah, yes, that's because that's that's Grant's not hosting it. <laughs> uh, Grant knows how to run a show. Um, what was I going to say? Real quick, before we get back to Javier, that commercial just reminded me of something. So at the end, you saw the Coco 3 with the little RF switch box, the cable, and those little manuals, right? Mm -hmm. So... Um, speaking of reproductions or what people do on eBay. Now, now um, sometimes people will sell just the manuals for exuberant amounts of money, like especially even on Cocoa stuff, right? So to buy like a Cocoa basic manual, those things have sold anywhere between 20 to $60 for just the manual. So some people get it and they're selling it. They have no idea what it's worth or this figure. I'm going to get a lot of money for it. And I'm sure... Um, that some people will pay that. What I do sometimes is I will actually buy another Coco because it comes with a bunch of things like manuals and the cables and the RF switch boxes or cassette players. So sometimes you can buy an entire system with a whole bunch of value-added content for $60, $70. And so I'm behind me, I've got, you know, I've got tons of basic manuals because I've been lucky enough to buy systems that come with it. I would be hard-pressed to spend $30 on a manual, unless it was a book I really, really, really wanted. To me, there's a, there's a fine line to how much you want to pay for an old computer manual. Um, and so that's where something like a reproduction might serve a purpose um, to give us something without having to be price gouged on it, you know? I like the ones where uh, they uh, make a PDF version of the uh, manuals for like 20 bucks. I've seen those. Oh, yeah, people are selling electronic. Yeah, like <laughs> there are people selling the Rainbow Collection, uh, PDF version of the Rainbow Collection that they're selling on eBay. I mean, that's there's got to be a crime against that if you think about it. So, Well, technically uh, by copyright, yeah, that, that is a crime. <laughs> yeah. So Ron Delvaux is holding up a Darth Vader Coco. But, yeah, so, um, so Javier, what were you going to show us? I'm sorry about that. So I got the same thing, you know, it's a Darth Vader Apple IIc. There you go. Okay. But yours has a convenient now, carrying handle. <clears throat> yes. Now, was that sold that way, or did somebody customize that? That's uh, Javier made. Ah, so you <laughs> customize an Apple IIc? Yeah, so basically what, what happens is that the Apple IIc, it's always been white or platinum. Okay. There's no white. So what, what I did is I just painted out black. <clears throat> All black. Um, uh -huh. What'd you do for the keys? But that's that's a big difference, you know. The keys are are you know everybody can leave them over there, and also the the little uh, icons over here and the two C. What I did is I right yeah. now I just overlaid some things, printed out, but I'm actually getting um, rub on white labels that I'm gonna get them. And actually, this the key. The key was the most difficult one because the keyboard. Um, it it's very difficult to make it fit, and it's very difficult to get the the um, Alps keys. And I I was lucky enough to find a keyboard that had the same color, um, the same shape, and the same font of the original Apple IIc. Okay. 
what I had to do is I had to overlay some some keys because they were not you know the same keys. Okay. Uh, other than that, it's almost the same thing. So so the okay. keyboard was the, the big the big problem. Zoom okay. in on the keyboard. And then I, I, I did this gray, light gray. Ah, neat. And also the the this light gray, so it, it matches the color, you know. Now, is there is there a particular paint you use that would stick well to plastic? You have a you have a process or no? I you use, use uh, that? Krylon, uh, black. Okay. Uh, actually, this is matte. matte. Uh huh. But I just found out that there's also actually a, a better way to do it. It's um. How do you call it? Uh, to, to stain it. There's like a yeah, stain that you it. put in, in, in water, you know, black, and then mm. you submerge it, and it will paint it permanently. Oh, really? So you're dying the dying, plastic. The plastic dying. L- literally like dying the plastic, yeah. But look yeah, how, yeah. how cool it, the, the little Apple logo looks against Yeah, against black, yeah. Nice contrast in the color and the darkness there, yeah. They so this, some this is a, dyes for upholstery that might work for that, too. Hey, Steve. Yeah. Yeah. Do you want me to paint yours? <laughs> yeah. Actually, if you could make it a rainbow pattern, so it'd be cocoa themed, that'd be awesome. I was gonna go for plaid myself. But... Yeah. I want I want a pride apple, so <laughs> show off my apple. I can I can provide an axe infestation. <laughs> <laughs> so the charger got painted black too. That's small. Did, did you have to paint the charger? Is that what you're showing us there? No, this is a modern power supply that they sell online. Ah, okay. This happens to be black. Yeah. Okay. Perfect. But it, it might be really good. That's what I wanted to show. It's still oh. alive. It's still alive. Ah, that, okay, so that's the that's the Commodore that was consumed by ants. Yes. Oh. Okay, and it still works. <laughs> yeah, it smells it funny. Post infestation, still still strong. It came from the desert or the Commodore 64. <laughs> no, and there's your alu- there's your aluminium right there. Yeah, yeah. I like that. I might need to um, wrap up a baked potato later with that aluminium. So. <laughs> aluminium foil. Aluminium foil. <laughs> no, you can't have it. It needs that shielding. It needs that shielding. Okay. It didn't. It didn't shield it from ants. Yeah, it's, it's like a blanket for ants. I think it just kept it nice and cozy warm. So. Uh. Oh yeah, Jesus. <laughs> and okay, you, so it's, it's been in the cupboard. It's been in the cupboard since I cleaned it, and um, it's the first time I smelled it in three weeks, and it doesn't smell anymore. <laughs> ah, good. Good. Um, Roger Taylor says that there was a glitch with the um with the stream url which is what i have to multicast over to but he says um um it's appearing on roku i have this sorted out and we hope to have this uh for smooth operations from here on out so okay so we are on roku now and hopefully next week when we go live at the beginning of the show we'll start off live and that's great thank you roger for doing that um it's just it's one of those things it's something new and something that we're doing and and you got to just kind of get the glitches worked out of it and hopefully we got that going right now um yeah so rob inman was saying that that coco 3 commercial was a coco 3 with mostly coco 2 software on it right like the new math tutor and uh, the new math tutor that's been around since 1980 Uh, (laughs) so yeah that's cool 
Uh, good stuff. That's cool. I mean, we're, we're, we're really glad you could join us, Javier. Um, so this has been more than a Cocoa Talk. It's been an all over the all over the talk here. We're showing off uh, uh, Commodores and Apples and uh, Cocos. Oh, my. So, yeah, Rob Inman says yes, and it was showing off Scripsit. It's hard for me to say Scripsit without throwing an <laughs> H in there. So, <laughs> color Scripsit. <laughs> say that three times fast. Color Scripsit. Color Scripsit. Try to say that without throwing in an H. I dare you. <laughs> yeah. Nick Freddy, you use it without throwing in an H. Okay, what, what are you showing us here, Simon, with this photo? Uh, Commodore 64 Basic. Oh, is this on VCC? Yes. Oh, that's funny. You got you got the pallets there making the Coco look like Commodore 64, huh? Yeah, it's just part of the demo. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, we were talking about that. Where is Jim Brain when we need him? Which is very rarely. Um, how do I close that? Uh, Jim Brain, we were talking, was it last night? Last night, and, yeah. And, and so, yeah, we brought up this topic of the Coco 3 manual on how it deals with using the palette command to set palettes in the Coco 3. Maybe this is a why did Tandy do that question. Let's go ahead and let's let's run that little um, board real quick. Um, Tell me why did Tandy do that? So um, the Color Computer 3, you know, you know it has more colors and it can produce 16 colors on the screen and there's a total palette of 64 colors. But when you read the chapter on how to use the palette command, uh, let's just say it leaves a lot to the imagination. And this is, I think, where time... And, and different things change. And so for those who aren't aware, the original color basic ROMs that handled the color computer one and two, those were, um, you know, Microsoft made the basic and Microsoft had the license. And by the time the color computer three came out, Microsoft did not want to license basic to, to Radio Shack anymore, right? So the color computer three basic was basically amended by Microware, the company who makes OS 9 and Basic 09 and other things, right? So um, Color Computer 3, some people call it Super Extended Color Basic or, you know, Color Color Basic 2.0 or 2.1, whatever it is. Um, all those new commands to take advantage of the gimme graphics modes were made by Microware. And um, the ability to change the color palettes is, let's just say, kludgy at best. Um, it's a total fluster cluck. Um, so trying to interpret the commands, trying to interpret what the palette register numbers are versus the color codes, the whole nine yards, it's, um, yeah, you know, I might as well try to learn French and move to Quebec. You know, it's just, it's redonkulous. So there's your book. And, uh -oh. and the nice thing, the nice thing about the Coco 1 and 2 is that the here manual he was here he comes here's Jim Brain but on the Coco 1 and 2 the manual was very easy to read very easy to follow i mean for christ's sake i was 14 years old and i read it and understood it to it's show you it's still one how of the best basic manuals for any HF you know, micro to be honest but the Coco 3 basic manual too was obviously not written by the same people cuz it lacks that whatever and here he is here Mr. Jim Brain himself yeah Oh, I wasn't sure. You seemed like you guys were going along just fine, so I thought I, I should hold it for for next week. But, but yeah, I think you you started out the topic very well. I was I was absolutely on a on a rant 
uh, last night as I was trying to understand, especially coming from a, a different machine than the uh, than the cocoa, because you know the uh, you know the as you said the the, the uh, training or the basic manual or whatever. I I, I mentioned I am retroactively. Um, I'm retroactively sorry or ashamed or embarrassed for all the poor young people who got a Coco Three in the under the tree at Christmas, <laughs> and they and they said, "Oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna play I'm gonna make a game with it. And I'm gonna change the colors um, because it took me far too long to to make the colors." And I was gonna bring up the um, I was gonna bring up the deluxe. What is it? The extended color basic manual because I, I just want people to to read to, I want I want to read some stuff to the to the folks about that so that um, they can uh, they can kind of a, kind of get their own impression so I, I've got the extended basic manual that you showed a picture of and there is a whole mm -hmm. section on colors and so I go to mm -hmm. section eight which is colors and so I just want to <clears throat> Just for those who may not be particularly aware of the way the color computer uses uh, colors and, and sets colors and whatnot, it says the color computer has a special area in memory called the palette. The palette. Hey, Jim, yeah. are you, can, you, can you hold one second? I'm going to try to find the PDF, and I'll screen share it, too. Okay, okay. okay. So, um, because I think that's worthy of... Uh, <laughs> of you know, you kind of have to see it, too, but Pretty give me those two seconds here to Visual find Visual aid. That's right. Um, you got a link for it. Yeah, I've got it. I've got the PDF. I'm just trying to find it. Okay. So tell me what page it was on, and I'll switch over to that. Too. Section 8, page 51. Okay. Section 8. Page 51. Page 51. Yep. All right. All right. These page numbers are not the same then the screen no oh, yeah i don't know it says page 51 on the, oh i'm sorry uh it is Next page 60 off. page 60 on the pdf it's page 60 there okay. you go colors there we go okay all right so, so here, we go. <clears throat> here we go so we're at the top we're just starting out to learn about basic here we're kind of in over our head but we're saying oh i want to change colors and it says oh there's a palette i need to understand there's 16 there's a palette and a palette contains 16 slots each slot contains a color when you use a color number in basic command, you are specifying a palette slot. For example, type CLS3. Now, let's stop mm -hmm. there for a minute. CLS3, that probably uses a palette. What number palette do we think that would use? My guess would be three, and you would be wrong. Your screen is now <laughs> blue. This is because CLS3 specifies slot two, and slot two contains the code for blue. And then they just throw in this ATTR thing here. Type some characters. The foreground is buff. And the background is red. And then it goes on and it says because a adder 33, attribute 33 specifies which slot? Oh, that's right. Slot 11. Slot 11. <laughs> slot 11 for the foreground and slot 3 for the background. At least the 3 is right, right? And uh, so color 3 specifies slot 2. I mean, this is entirely intuitive, right? Oh, and then it gets better. <clears throat> you come down here to, come down here to table 8.1. So, okay, color number 0. Hmm, palais slot. Oh, Eight. Okay, that didn't make any sense to me at all, but that's fine because color number one probably should be nine. But then you would be wrong because palais slot would be zero for color number one. And then it follows all the way down the road, right? And then, oh, attribute, foreground color, color number zero, eight, 
Okay, so I got this right now. Color number one is going to be Pele slot zero. You're wrong. On table 8.2, Pele slot is nine. This is the most asinine way I've seen <laughs> on a home computer to set the color. I mean, it, it, you know, I... They were ahead. drunk when they designed it, I think. I absolutely agree. I, I mean, I, and, and the thing is, yesterday, last night, so here I am, I'm at 8 o'clock, I'm, I'm riding a wave of euphoria because I've gotten some sort of hardware project done, and it's got, it's got an LED, and I want to show it off, I want to do a video, and so... The green, I mean, I know y'all love this, and I know um, it's heretical to say this, but the green background and the black text is just, it's just crap, okay? And so uh -huh. I wanted to change a different color so that it wouldn't shine so brightly so that I could get a picture of the LED, and I'm thinking, well, this should be no problem at all. I can just set the background to be zero and set the foreground to be green, and I'll be good to go. And a half an hour later, and three emails, and a text message to the instant messaging system later, with people who still did not have any idea how to do it. Basically, their response was, well, I don't know, Jim, just type CLS with a bunch of numbers out there, and hopefully one of those options will get you the color scheme you want. <laughs> <laughs> I finally dinked around long enough to where I got what I wanted as a set of colors that was useful enough for me to take a video. That is extremely hard. And, and I'm just thinking, you know, I know you guys rag on the Commodore 64 Basic all the time. And you guys think, oh, War Basic is so much better. Well, this command sucks. Okay, I'm just telling yeah. you now. This command is the stupidest set of commands I've ever seen. It would have been much easier to say, you know what, if you want a color, just put color, background yeah. one, or something like that, and be done yeah. with it. Yeah, yeah, <clears throat> yeah. The palette command itself is okay, but the attribute command, you're right, it's messed up. Well, and, and and somebody had to go through. I mean, what's up? The, what's up with color number zero is palais slot eight, but no, color number zero is palais slot or color number one is palais slot zero, but on the next one, pal, uh, color number one is palais slot nine, and then finally, color number one is palais slot one. Who would have even? Does, that's that, that's an exercise in evil, in my opinion. <laughs> <laughs> now you were trying to yeah. do this on a forty eighty column screen or on the thirty two column screen, because then forty columns, forty column okay. screen. Yeah, because the I palettes, palettes you'd set uh, to change a color on 32-column screen are different again. That's 12 and 13. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, okay, fine. You know, you guys, that is just nuts. Can you imagine being a 12, 13-year-old, you know, pimply teenage boy sitting in his <laughs> basement trying to make the new greatest, you know, Steve Bjork game? And here he is. He's like killing. He's he's you're driving him to drink here, and he's not even old enough. He won't be old enough for nine years. <laughs> <laughs> we, see, up here we call that a head start. <laughs> I just posted so, something on the on the chat. I just posted something on the sideline. Yeah, I will look. Okay. Okay. Here's something that Simon just has here. All right. So here's your. But so here here's what the colors are. But this doesn't give us like the number chart to tell us. Yes, it does. Yes, it does. 
That's just the palette <laughs> register value, so that's not the attribute command where you got to worry about what your foreground color number is and your background color numbers. I think where, that's where okay, here's, here's where another, Here we go. Here's the other one. Here's your colors. Here's your 63 colors. All right, so your color computer three color chart. So this is the 63, this is the 64 colors you have available in each of your 16 slots to set your palette command to or your attribute command to. Yeah. But but I think the the point is is that when you use the attrib command that the numbering scheme they came up for the foreground color attributes versus the background color attributes don't even match this chart here. Because if you just had a, a constant thing where color zero was black at all times and I could say all right, I want my background attribute to be zero, that's black. I want my foreground attribute to be 16, that's green. Boom, we're done. But it's a sliding scale. It's a whole lookup table for if you want to use the palette command, it's this number. If you want to do background attribute, it's that number. You want to do foreground attribute, it's this number. Yeah, They've just re reinvented the wheel multiple times. Yeah, it's well, you're yeah, supposed to come with a decoder something. ring though. It's like trying to do an Apple II high-res screen, trying to draw a, you know, a, a picture in order where you have to jump eight scan lines and then by fours. And, yeah, and I, 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 and I, and I use all the bits but the eighth one, and yeah. And I get that. I guess the thing is is that on the Apple, it's, you know, it's like, okay, you want to change color? It's going to be hard, and we're going to, you know, it's going to be hard, and you're going to have to learn a lot in order to change color. And so when you get done, you have this great sense of accomplishment. I didn't have a great <laughs> sense of accomplishment last night when I got colors. No. I'm like, you purposely put commands in here that made it harder under the guise of be. making it easier. <clears throat> yep. Yeah. Now, now, I think part of the uh, confusion is because um, we do have uh, four color and 16 color modes. So they're trying to use, they probably had difficulty creating the command so that you know, it it would work the same way. It's uh, it, it the palette varies depending on which mode you're in. But this is a text um, mode. There is only the sixteen color mode on in basic. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah there is. That's right. Because remember, you have to use H color if you're actually doing graphics instead yeah, of Yeah, that's right. Matt. Yeah, Matt. And so no. Brian Joyce has got something up on the screen here with some of the palette stuff too. But yeah, it's very kludgy. Yeah. So I guess my thing is, this is probably less of a why did Tandy do that and. Probably more of a Tandy should have never done this. Yeah, <laughs> it would be interesting to hear Why because uh, my understanding was that? is that they tried. Tandy actually gave the specifications to Microware for what they were supposed to do. So was this Microware's choice to do this, or was this Tandy's choice in the spec? <laughs> I don't know. I can't imagine. You know, part of my day, part of my day job is that is to put large scale systems together, and so I deal with business requirements all the time, and I am struggling for the life of me to understand how a document would be constructed that would represent what this actually is. You know, so we're going to have this command and it's going to use these numbers and there's going to be this lookup, but you can't use the same lookup for the one command as you use for the other command. And then if you're in RGB versus composite, it's going to be a completely different set of numbers and they might be the same colors, but they're different numbers. And, but we need to make it easy for the user. And oh, by the way, we are not going to give the user any kind of command that would allow them to see what the current colors are that are being used, right? You can set new colors, but you have to—you just have to go through all of them and see what they map to. You can't say, "What am I currently running? What is the current colors?" Right? I don't even know what buff is, right? So, I mean, you know, the key is—is is, so, and it's really not the color I'm really interested in. It's really the color number, right? I don't know what the number is for the color, so I'm thinking. I thought, well, I'll look through this manual. There's got to be a command. You know, there's a poke command, so there must be a peak command. So I'll see that there's a read the attribute or read the 
read the parallel that I'm currently using right now, and then I could just use those numbers and figure out a new set of numbers, and I'll go where I'm going to go. Nope, there's no such command. It's like trial and error. <clears throat> yeah. I mean, internally, the, the, the text screen, the 48-column text screens, is basically it's two bytes. One is your ASCII character code, well, the gimme character code, 0 to 127. And then your attribute has three bits for your foreground palette, which is 0 to 7. There's three more bits for the background, which is palettes 8 to 15, which makes sense. And then there's a blink and uh, underline attributes. Mm -hmm. So, uh, you know, underlying the hardware is actually easier than the way they set up basic. Ah, yes, yes, yes. And that's the thing. I, I, was, I was thinking about 20 minutes into it last night. I was thinking, you know what? Let me just look up the gimme registers and I'll just set them the way I need them and use them that way. Because this is way too complex. <laughs> yeah. Now, the palette command itself, which just tells you which you know, slots are to 15, which of the 64 values you want, that's fine. It's the attribute command that has the messy crap in it. Well, yeah, I, I, yeah, I use palette to store a different code in slot 2, so you're putting a different color in palette 2. Um, yeah. It, now, for the Cocoa 1 and 2 modes, you are hard-coded because they had to reserve which palettes were going to you know, duplicate the screen one comma zero four colors and which is screen one comma one four colors what your uh, orange text screen colors are going to be what your green text screen colors are going to be which is what we're kind of fiddling with here on the uh, split screen but so okay, that but, that kind of made some sense it would be a little bit different but yeah they, they made it unnecessarily complicated for the cocoa three modes okay but the first thing right off the bat i'm going to do a cls3 why in the world am i using slot two since when did three equal two because zero but, is a number no, but CLS yeah, but zero, CLS zero is, is black, so I mean it, it's still inconsistent. <laughs> yeah, and I think the reason why they did that was they wanted to match the original color codes of the Coco's nine colors. Where uh, on the Coco one and two, color zero was black, color one was blue, two was yellow, three was red, four, you know, so on. So uh, five was buff, whatever it was. So the zero through seven, I think at some point in time, they're trying to match those color numbers for text so they match the original Coco colors, you know, eight, nine semi-graphic colors. Um, so it's kind of this yeah. weird lookup table to make those There's also the match. artifact yes. colors that are stored in there if you're running composite because you have to do the P mode for that would get that weird purple screen when you boot up because that's shifting the colors around. Hmm. So there's, there's a few things in there that are a little bit odd. But, I mean, they could have mapped it in basic better than they did. Yeah. The yes. attribute command's a mess. Um, I will agree. No doubt. No doubt. No doubt. That's oh, so what's Brian doing? Brian's peeking into something here. Um, yeah, and, and, and unfortunately, too, like I, I had a Coco 3, but I also I think I got my Tandy 1000 right around the same time. What the hell is that? What are you doing there, Brian? He's looking at the supposed to return the color number in palette 12, but it's coming uh. up minus one for some reason. <laughs> yeah, don't do the minus 64. It's just a raw 6-bit value. Okay. Let's hit up arrow to repeat your last command. Oh, I'm sorry. It doesn't do that. No, no. <laughs> well, it doesn't all the time. <laughs> uh, cool. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's confusing at best. So, I, and and Steve go. made a good point, too. The, the Coco 3 manual is not written by the same people that did the original extended color basic manuals. Those are still some of the best manuals for any home computer, period, for learning basic, right. I think. It was, it was widely really praised really at the time. Like the original Apple II manuals are just a mess as far as if you're a beginner. Like, it, how did they list variables? A E X P R one comma A E X P R two. If you had two options for a, a command, what the uh, hell does now, that mean? <clears throat> Brian, this this picture here, this is semi graphics, right? This is like your set and reset level graphics. Yes. 
So this is a Coco 1 and 2 semi-graphics text screen that you're now using Coco 3 palettes on to animate. That's right, yep. So you're animating um, not all the colors because the green stays constant and the black stays constant. That's right, your yeah. FD501 is constant. So you're, you're, palette, you're palette animating some of the colors, but not all. <laughs> That's right, yep. And are you going through all 64 colors, or you just have certain ones you've just decided you wanted to use? Uh, that's, or? that's picking random between 0 and 63. Oh, so it's just, yeah. it's just randomly palleting those particular color slots. Yep. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah, so the fact that you can do it is cool. Jim Gary is back. Oh, so Jim must have ran off to dinner, huh? Uh, no, it's, <laughs> it's, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a valid, frustrating point, right? Agreed. Trying to do that. Um, I like I say I don't remember doing too much in Coco Three Basic because I was already working on Tandy One Thousand Basic at that time. So I don't think I spent a lot of time digging into it. Uh, at some point in time, I'll probably get back to it and start messing with Coco Three. So when I get to this point here, I will probably want to find a way to simplify this for my own brain because that's the only way my mind works. I've got to break things down simply. Once I can look at it and see it and wrap my simple mind around it, then I can use it. So. Um, now the, the Tandy, uh, the, the MS-DOS style basic has the attribute command too. Is it as wonky as the Coco version or is it a bit more straightforward? I haven't used it in so long, I can't remember. Mm, what was the question again? Using, using the at how to ATTR command in, in DOS, basically. No, actually in there, they're just different colors, right? So um, I, I know there was a way to change the foreground and background color, but you had 0 through 15 were your 16 shades. And then when you went to 16 through 31, that was like the blinking version of it. So it was just a higher color value for your foreground. Okay, and the Coke um, one, I think, does comma F and or flash yeah, or something. Yeah, or comma B, comma B for or B, blink yeah, or something blink, like yeah, that. Something like yeah, that. So... Um, yeah, so I think to I don't remember what you had to do to turn on the underline attribute, but the 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 blinking attribute was just adding 15 to the value, or 16 to the value. So zero black zero would be 16, one would be 17, and so. Um, okay. Yeah, because the cocoa was basically you did comma B for blink yeah. and comma U. But for I don't remember I don't remember how to set the background color in in DOS Basic. It's been so long. Um, there you go. So here's your palette. So you, you're changing your background. So palette 12 is the background or the foreground? That's the foreground of the 32-column text screen. Okay. So palette 12 is the foreground. You said that's a 63. Mm -hmm. uh, palette 13 is the background. You set that to black. Yep. So you pick the highest and lowest colors. Yep, so white and black, would, uh, would be white, right? So your white text in your foreground, your black for your background. Mm -hmm. You load it in your splash screen file, mm -hmm. which is your semi-graphics thing. And then you just hit a random. So random seven is your different colors. You picked a different color slot and then palleted that with a random color value of 63. You didn't use black zero. So you're getting one through 63. Mm -hmm. So the visible colors. And then uh, until you press a key, it just keeps redoing that. Yep. That's pretty cool. Simple little program. Mm. Simple palette animations. Now, unfortunately, if I like, if I go back to the picture that um, that uh, Simon showed us, and you look at the color values here, um, there's not a lot of rhyme or reason to how these colors play out either. So when you look in the higher number ones here, it's like really pastel-y, pastel Is this the composite chart ones. or the RGB chart? Because they're different. Okay. You know what I mean? So it's like really kind of weird. Like to me, RGB, it should be you've got, you know, four four versions of red, four versions of blue, four versions of green. And, and, yeah. and so it's really kind of, to me, it's very inconsistent how these colors work out here. Actually, and it does um, make sense, though, because they're based on the bits. Do you want two bits for R, two bits for G, two bits for B. 
Oh, are they? So yeah, if you did bit patterns, you, it would make yeah. sense. It does, yeah. Composite, on the other hand, has 16 basic colors and then basically adds more white to them as you go through yeah, getting it plays with more washed out. Composite just plays with the intensity. Yeah. Okay. But they're totally but different yeah. from each other, which is a pain in the ass. Yeah. We but like the we first, now, unfortunately. The, the yeah. first, the, <laughs> see here, here, here on your zero through seven, this is almost like the Coco one and two sets of colors, although it's like a darker version of those colors. But there's your black, blue, green, cyan, red, magenta, yellow, buff, right? And just in a weird order. In this order here, this is where that attrib command takes these numbers and makes them something completely else, you know. So, um, it's yeah, it's all over the place. So, maybe we can get James Diffendaffer to optimize the <laughs> Coco 3 basic and have it make sense. <laughs> Except you would break backwards compatibility with all the people who had to figure out this mess in the first place. So, you have to make special gym basic. They'd be cussing all over again. Yeah. <laughs> all right, so it's a great question. And I, you know, most of the time, and here's a spoiler alert, most of the time when we're going to say, why did Tandy do something? It's because they were cheap bastards and they were trying to save money, right? So, um, yeah. well, that's always the answer. Spoiler alert. <laughs> and the thing is, too, Microware was not that familiar with the basic. They kind of had to do that in a rush panic patch job, from what I understand, because I think yeah, they, Tandy was approaching Microsoft and trying to get them to do it, and then they refused and they didn't want to delay it, so they kind of threw it at Microware, who was busy trying to, you know, port. OS 9 at the time and add the windowing system and everything else. It, it, it pro that little piece of code probably got put on somebody that really didn't want to deal with it and he did it intentionally. It shows. <laughs> it shows. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's basically a way to coerce you to, you might as well just get basic on 9 and be done with it, guys. Come on. Yeah, there you go. There you go. Plug for yeah, basic on 9 nice, right there. Nice, uh, nice, shameful plug there. there you go. You're welcome. You optimize right. Basic 9 coming out soon. Anyway, let's go ahead. All right, well, we're, we're coming up on three hours, and we yeah. still have our 30, 40 minutes of closing uh, credits here to do. So uh, <laughs> what do you say? Have we beat this episode to death for today? We'll save some for next week? Yeah, we'll sure. save some for next week. All right, so I'm going to run the first round of closing credits. You guys think about something so we can have some post-closing discussions and then our bonus um, post-credits. So here we go, folks. Um, and unfortunately, I know there's a lot of pop-up. People are putting stuff in Skype, but I can't see. If, if I have to, like, for me to click on Skype to see what you guys are posting it, and I do it, it kind of screws up the screen. But here's, like, another one that's, okay, here's the color. What, what is this chart here now? Is this the composite chart? Yeah, the top one's the composite. The bottom one's the RGB. Okay, so here's the composite chart, and then the bottom one is the RGB. Okay, yeah. Yeah, it is, it is kind of screwy, right? And I think what what further complicates this to me is um, like if you wanted to do something on a modern PC, and like for somebody who's going to write a development environment, how do you take a modern PC that's got 32-bit color capabilities and recreate the 64 Coco shades exactly the same way? You right. know? Uh, that's just yeah. the intensities of your RGB because basically. Uh, we've got four bits. We've got, four, we've got two bits each, so it's four two levels. Bits, yes. so, basically, from, you, so basically, it's just 25%, 50%, 75, 100. Yeah, one of the things you just mentioned is one of the biggest complaints in emulators. Which is the right color? 
and they you you go through almost any forum it's like well this color is too bright and this color is too dark and well i want my palette to match exactly and and uh you know it's tough to find exactly what people remember because their tv was set differently you know yeah the rgb colors should be pretty standard though because they're basically just you know bigger jumps between them right Uh, you know if you have a 256 bits per gun or sorry 32 bits per gun you know eight of those is usually transparency so it's usually 24 but you would just skip the proportional amount to do the four settings that the Coco could do. And that usually matches exactly. When you get into composite and artifacting, that's where all the differences between, you know, what shade of red and blue and everything else. But the RGB one should be pretty consistent. Yeah, j- just uh, just look on uh, the uh, Atari Age on discussion about um, what color the shield should be on, when they're turned on on uh, Star Raiders. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Oh, but on, on PAL, it's green, and on NTSC, it, yeah, 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 you get the idea. <laughs> yeah. Uh, is this coming up from your FD501 website, Brian? Yeah, yeah it is. It's, um, yeah, the, the um, colors that I could best replicate um, on the website here. But, yeah, the, again, it's, what comes, complicates it further is the difference between VCC and MAME. And then... Yeah, MAMEs and then are the closer RGB. to the accurate ones, I think. Yeah. Experience. Uh, as I said, we wouldn't know. We don't have so composite color. Color <laughs> artifacts yeah, on there. Yeah, and these are just basically um, 55 hex, you know, up and down um, the RGB colors. So they're pretty close to accurate, I think. Yeah. Mm. Like RGB, if you wanted mm. to do a half intensity red, say if you had a full bite for a red or something like that, you, you, half intensity would be eight zero. Okay, so Javier that would be the says same he has as... to go. Sorry about that. Go ahead. That's, uh, Javier was just saying he had to go. Thanks for being with us, Javier. He's, he's gone. Yeah. Um, so I, I think you've answered my question then. So RGB is RGB, regardless of if you're doing it on a Windows or Mac or PC. So yeah. those, those values to put into an emulator or to write software for should be fairly consistent. Um, yeah, basically, if you save it, like I used to save my screenshots, well, I still do actually for my games page uh, for Coco 3 stuff in GIF, mm-hmm. GIF, whatever the heck you want to call it, format. Mm-hmm. And I would just tell, you know, Photoshop or whatever I was touching the photo, the screenshots with that I want a, a 4-bit color or a 2-bit color or whatever. And then it would just automatically do it to the correct correct value because it's it's scales properly. You don't have to worry about yeah. fucking around with it. Composite's a totally different beast, like, like was mentioned by James before. Depends what your TV tint was at and what type of a TV you had. And, well, you know, just, the phase of the moon was a half crescent or whatever, you know. Yeah. <laughs> well, well look, at, look at the pictures of Megabug and uh, you've got yellow and on other games you've got red. <clears throat> That's your artifacts. Yeah. Well, I have also noticed, too, like when I plug in certain older Cocos, especially older Coco ones, the artifact colors that are supposed to be kind of a sky blue and an orange kind of look somewhat greenish on the blue side and somewhat purplish on the orange side. So I've noticed some older Coco ones, the way they artifact, it's a little bit off. And I don't know if that means that the RF can needs to be retuned or something. Oh, it was. um, My my Coco one had a a bluish green. for the blue and it wasn't it, it, it was um it wasn't more of a magenta or something but it, it, it was a red but it wasn't quite the red like you see on vcc or something like that right right 
So VCC's composite is actually quite off. It's actually in phase. And, and VCC's artifact is just way, way out there. Um, all right, well, that's an interesting... I like I like Brian's charts here. These are, And I like how he's come up with these names here. We've got dark cyan, dark green, dark red, dark magenta, brown, dark gray. Because that's one of the things the color basic book says. Hey, why don't you just name yeah. the colors? Here's a bunch Give of them lines. Name. Just fill them in. Let's, call them whatever the hell you want. Let's call want. this, yeah, call this 64 one... 64 blue. And then... <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to call this color Fred. I'll yeah. call this one George. Here's Bob. Except, except I spell it <laughs> well, 20, yeah. I wonder if 25's interesting. Is that. <laughs> yeah, and and so Jim Jim Gary says cyan. Is it light green or sky blue? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Is it teal? Is cyan teal or is teal different? Is that and then which one is turquoise? <laughs> Depends if you had a Radio Shack uh, TV or a Sony TV. You know, it's right. Light gray, pale blue. Pale blue slash cyan, pale red, How pale magenta. How did you turn your tint knob? Yep. Yeah, exactly. Too. It's like sometimes you had to you had to dial in the well, that's tint wrong. Turn your stuff tint. on your TV. Yeah, yeah, you could yeah. dial that, and you could get yellow or red. <laughs> yeah. Uh, All right. Breaking news. Breaking news. Yes. Ed Snyder. Yes, Ed Snyder just posted a message on Facebook. Uh, he's been testing the. Um, the UART's on his new MPI board, and he says the Coco 2 using a 6309 at 0.89 megahertz was able to break 50 kilobits per second. Uh, that's 921,600 board. Wow. Uh, which is what, kilobytes then, not bits. Uh, KB, yeah, whatever. Okay. <laughs> uh, is, is the B big or little? Is yeah. it uppercase? I'm not, it's, it's big. Okay, so that's bytes then, kilobytes. Uh, a, a Coco 3 running double speed should be able to max out at 921,600 connection. So, yeah, fast serial is on its way. Fast serial. Super, right. Where's David Ladd when we that's need him? That's right, I was about to say. <laughs> David Ladd will be happy. Well, yeah, and David, we, we lost David at some them, point in time. Yeah. <laughs> we lost David sometime during the show, but we would be remiss without not running a what the David Ladd break this week, video, even though he's not here. And since Brian's here, the creator of these, let's go ahead and run one of these real quick. He broke his Skype connection. There we go. So, now Brian, did, did you re record some of these yourself, like these um, blowing up of floppy drives and burning of motherboards? Did you stage these and film them yourself, or did you find some stock video somewhere of those? Oh God, no, I pinched them. Yeah, you pinched them because <laughs> <laughs> that's commitment to the cause. When you've taken out a hard drive yourself and putting it on a bench to uh, watch it spin off in the air. <laughs> well, I, I was going to make one with a floppy, a floppy disk, and I've got plenty of those. Yeah. So I can destroy those. But then, then, I, yeah, <laughs> then I just realized that yeah, the, I was thinking about it, and the stuff that David says. He's such a smart guy. The stuff that he says actually blows your mind and that's yeah. how i come up with that yeah that's how i came up with that um 
South Park. Yeah, that's But I, I can't top great. that. So I haven't made any more because I can't top that one. I just can't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I made, I made one that doesn't top it, but it was inspired by yours. So you'll see that in the post-closing scene. Ah, um, excellent. Excellent. Yeah. All right. So let's, let's acknowledge some of the people who were in the live chat with us today, too. So Jason's brother, Ken, was here. Ken can make it. And Ken can make it because he's made some videos for us now, too. So thanks for being here, uh, Ken. Thanks for being here, Nick Marota, Grant Leedy, Mark Overholzer, uh, Tom C. stopped by earlier. Uh, Retro Innovations was in here doing a little bit of uh, trolling, too. Fall, Paul Fiscarelli was here. Rob Inman was here. Michael Brandt was here. Um, Tom C., Nick Marota, we said that, right? Michael Brandt, we got you. Paul Fiscarelli. Who else was in here? Retro Innovations and uh, Mark Over. Okay, ESS1898. I'm not sure who that is. ESS1898. But they were there. He had a comment about our Jehovah Witness saying that we should give out copies of the Rainbow Magazine. Rondell Vaux was here. ESS1898. Uh, Disney Saints fan. Hey, how are you there? Um, was in the live chat. Rob Inman, Hugo DeFort is in the live chat as well as being on the show. Good to have Hugo on here. Coco Man and uh, Jim Gary in the live chat. And who else was in the live chat? All kinds of people here. Steve Batson stopped by. Hey, Steve, how are you? Rob Inman, Thomas Sorensen, Dave Phillipson. So Coco Tower, who is Roger Taylor. Retro Innovations was here, and Jim Brain was here, and Retro Innovations was here, and uh, Rob Inman was here, Jim Gary. So there, I think we got just about everybody who was in the live chat. So you guys think about what you want to talk about after the credits. So here we go. We're going to do phase one of our closing credits here. This concludes another episode of Coco Talk, the world's leading live talk show featuring the Tandy Color Computer. For all things Coco Talk, visit us on the web at cocotalk.live. We'd love to hear from you. Send feedback, suggestions, even segments via email to cocotalk at cocotalk.live. If you love the color computer like we do, then visit imacoconut.com for all your color computer links needs. Consider supporting the show with a purchase of merchandise from our retro swag shop at 8bit 256 if you'd like to become a patron of the show, visit the Patreon link on our site at CocoTalk.live. CocoTalk would not exist without the community and its cast and crew. Thanks go to Curtis Boyle, David Ladd, Mark Overholzer, Grant Leedy, Bruce Moore, Nick Morentes, Ron Delvaux, Rick Adams, Jason Riker, Richard Lorbieski, Jim Brain, Karen Anscombe, Simon Jonason, Wayne Campbell, Steve Batson, Brian Joyce, John Strong, and Barry Nelson. Special thanks to Steve Bjork for production suggestions and Brian Joyce for our best of episodes and bonus content. Please help support the Coco community by visiting some of its contributors. The Coco Crew podcast at cococrew.org. Glenside Color Computer Club, host of Coco Fest at glensideccc.com. Jim Brain and Retro Innovations at go, the number four, retro.com. Tandy Assembly at tandyassembly.com. Boyson Technologies at boyson tech.com. Get your own switcheroo at cocoman.biz and cloud9technologies at cloud the number 9 
CocoTech.com. Coco Talk is hosted by Steve Strobridge, co-hosts, technical directors, segment hosts, and producers, Curtis Boyle, David Ladd, Grant Leedy, Mark Overholzer, Ron Delvo, and Jason Reichert. Production motivation, Steve Bjork. The Coco Talk theme song is copyright 2008 by D. Bruce Moore and Greg Shalar. Mix, mastered, and produced by D. Bruce Moore. Coco forever, people. And let's not forget a very special thank you to Roger Taylor for getting us on the Coco TV channel on Roku. Where's that humming coming from? Jim, it looks like. Uh, huh? Oh, hold on here a minute. All right. We got a little jet engine going on there. Trolling by Retro Innovations. There we go. All right. So there's <laughs> the show where we just have random noises break in. That is it. This is uh, Noise Talk, the uh, uh, how to make sound on a podcast. So, um, yeah, good show, guys. Three hours now. Uh, not too bad. I, I enjoyed being here. I, I'm, I thank you all for being in the panel. Uh, Rhonda Vo, you falling asleep on us? Nope. Okay, your head was kind of leaning <laughs> to the side there for a second. There, it's getting heavy. <laughs> so he was, just, um, he was just about to look at the Australians. You know, <laughs> yeah, upside down. Yes, yes. So no longer on the panel, but Rick Adams with, was was with us earlier. David Ladd was with us earlier. Javier was with us. Um, uh, pretty cool to see what Javier's been up to. He's doing all kinds of cool stuff. Uh, so Bruce Moore is still with us, and so is Grant Leete and uh, Mark D. Overholzer, Nick Marentes, Curtis Boyle. Thanks for stopping by. Jim Brain of Retro Innovation. Simon Jonason's here. Jason, the Coco Man Reichert is here. Uh, Brian Joyce in Australia, properly upside down. And James Diffendaffer is here. And Ron Delvo and I have been here too, Stevie Stroh. And we still have 19 people watching us live. Uh, and Retro Innovations. Yeah, let's not forget Retro Innovations. So uh, what do you guys think? Decent show this week? Did we beat it to death? We did well. Pretty good. Then okay. Grant, uh, Grant, you're muted. Uh, the only thing I wanted to say, it looks like Tandy Assembly has now uh, updated the website with the hotel. So, mm-hmm. let's let's switch over to that real. But quick. there is I'll no price it. on the hotel room. But I went ahead and booked mine at my government discount. So, and it came down to ninety three dollars a night. So, which is bad. Okay. Breaking news. <laughs> Breaking news. What, this what this was it originally? One hundred and ninety five. Whoa. Okay. But I mean. Okay. Government rate, though, usually is what uh, we usually get at the other properties, so I wouldn't be surprised. It's probably, probably going to be about that amount. Okay, so Tandy Assembly will be held in Springfield, Ohio, at the Courtyard by Mary uh, Springfield downtown in uh, Springfield, Ohio. Um, so we will have some speakers. Uh, we don't know what else is going to happen just yet, so now if we click on Venue... Okay, so it says here, Tandy Assembly will be held at the Courtyard by Marriott, Springfield Downtown in Springfield, Ohio. Check back for special room rates to be offered by Tandy Assembly. So you say, Grant, that you got it for 90-some-odd bucks? Yeah, but I was using the government discount, but usually that's the rate that uh, the they give. They also have special uh, conventions, that's too. The block rate. Yeah, yeah. that's exactly what I was thinking of. Thank you. All right, so right now, if we just look at the website, yeah, it's it's varying from... I don't know. Anyways, that's fine. We we will find out soon enough when they um, 
when they have when they secure their group rate for us they'll make that known so that's good so hopefully if we look forward to something in the hundred dollars per night rate i think we're used to paying that we pay that we pay roughly that much for cocoa fest 90 something dollars a night whatever it is you know with tax it comes to about 100 bucks um i think that's right in the um the sweet spot of what's fair and reasonable and affordable because if you're paying for two or three nights you know you got three hundred dollars in hotel bills um you, know, you kind of want to manage that um so cool so you've booked yours and uh, did you get a two two bedroom suite so i can uh bunk up with you yep i did excellent so there you go so we're covered does it come with a pole uh, for the lap dances and stuff too <laughs> oh, <Jesus. laughs> and so uh excellent yeah so well, that that, that might help too size bed. So, say that again <laughs> what? jason Grant just got the king size bed. Ah, okay. So we <laughs> a little bit of spooning might take place. You never know. So, especially Grant's losing some weight there. He might be looking a little bit more attractive to me. So <laughs> it's going to be easier for you to sit on my lap this year. Oh God, help us! <laughs> you're just incentivizing Grant to gain weight again. That's all you're doing. <laughs> looking mighty cute in them jeans, hey boy. <laughs> Eddie Murphy, <laughs> classic. Oh man! All right. So, uh, anything else we, we we haven't said that needs to be said before we go to the post credits scene here? Where's Steve Bjork? Steve Bjork. We spoke to him last night. We'll hopefully have him on soon. So he's around. He's okay. taking care of some things. But yeah, oh yeah. So Steve has been missing for a few weeks, and he did pop into. <laughs> Rob Inman says, "Who's the little spoon? <laughs> <laughs> who's the big Sorry spoon? Who's the little spoon? Who's the teaspoon? Who's the tablespoon?" <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, so hopefully we'll have Steve on uh, in the very near future. And but we did speak to him on Discord last night, so he's around taking care of some things, and hopefully be back to us. Well, soon. I miss the guy. Yeah. Oh, likewise. So uh, we haven't had any bashing of the MC10, or nobody's been uh, critiquing Simon's code or anything like that. So um, <laughs> I'm just waiting for Simon to do uh, self self modifying six eight zero three code, because then Steve's head will explode. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Uh, what do you think the vectors were? Yes. All right. Well, here we go. It's time for the post-credits scene, folks. Enjoy this with a little bonus David Ladd at the end. Hi, this is Antonio Jimenez, author of such projects such as The Stevie Throw Devil and The SD Pack. And you're watching Coco Talk. Three, two, go. You're rolling, Curtis. You say whatever you want to say. Well, give me some kind of guideline. Um, hi, this is Curtis Boyle. Hey, this is Eric, and you're listening to Coco Talk. All right, we're rolling. You say whatever you want to say, David. Nation, world, sweetie. Weekly, any computer. Something like that. Hi, I'm Tim. Playing dagger is like that idiot from the book. <laughs> You're watching Coco Talk. Thank you, David. Uh, now get back up there for one second. Oh, jeez. Come on. What? what, what, what? Let's, let's get some drive wire, TTL, no, ESP. No, we don't need any drive wire or TTL. <laughs> Hi, it's Chris Boyle, Hi, part wow. of the uh, Coco Talk crew of people. Hi, we're on Elbow Timberman. I guess I'll to experience 
MPI, you know, floppy drive, Coco SDC, um, sound speech pack, orchestra 90, RS-232 pack, modem pack, uh, super IDE. You start adding all those together if you want them all usable at the same time. Well, guess what? You just went over the four slot MPI. <laughs> there we go. And that was one of the questions on the Coco Crew <laughs> podcast was... Give us a reason why you need more than four slots. Well, David Ladd just mentioned like nine. <laughs> and so, listen, somebody's got somebody's to help support Jim Brain. So if Jim's going to make these things, somebody's got to come up with a reason for us to use them, and that's what David Ladd's good for, right? So, that's right. Uh, <laughs> Who does Jim's uh, re- uh, warranty repairs? <laughs> Greg, Maybe. you're doing those. Yeah. <laughs> 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 uh, uh, is this thing on? Hello. All right, guys. Well, it's well, been we did fun. It's been real. This, this week. What did we learn? Mm, the not manual to... screwed up. Ah. <laughs> well, I was going to say, not to be on the show. Is that what we learned or what? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just glad well, I'm the only one who doesn't understand the ATTR command. Yeah. ATTR uh, says 3, 2. Yeah. Rob Inman says those 16 slots aren't going to fill themselves, right? So <laughs> we need more hardware projects to fill up those slots. 